Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. This is going to be the final episode of the year, a season review uh, podcast here with me, Steve Wiss and my good friend Jonathan for Dugba. What a year it's been, Jonathan. This is our 33rd episode, the most episodes we've ever, ever had in one calendar year. Uh, how are you feeling? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Steve. I'm in my Santa outfit. And uh, yeah, feeling Christmassy. Uh, happy Christmas to all the listeners if you celebrate it and happy holidays if you don't. Uh, yeah, 33 episodes. I, I'm, I'm ready for a, a Bailey's or a, or a beer or something like that to, to wind down. Um, last show of the season, we, we've made it to the end. And uh, yeah, crazy times going on in, in Norway. So I'm looking forward to um, looking back on, on the season with you. We're going to start with kind of Norway and we're going to review the end of the season. And then we will, an exciting final day, by the way. And then we're going to look back on our team of the seasons. We're going to pick our, our best players in each league and just review the season in general and talk about some key teams, some key players, that kind of thing. And, you know, reflect on what's been a very exciting 2021 campaign. Have you enjoyed yourself uh, in 2021, Steve, in Norway? What's your overall take on it? Oh, I just had to cover my mouth up there because uh, you rather caught me out by that. Santa ho ho ho! <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, mate. Um, have, I, have I enjoyed the season? Yeah, of course I've enjoyed the season. You know, it's um, the title race went right to the last day. There was drama all the way to the finish, and um, you know, there's been some good football on show. All uh, we've had great competitiveness in in Europe from from teams in Norway. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a good year, really. You know, fans have been back. It's been uh, it's been it's been excellent. So uh, yeah, I'm sure you. I hope hopefully you, you kind of feel the same way in Sweden as well. Yeah, we will talk about Sweden in, in part two. I've, been, I've enjoyed the season. Uh, you know, of course, if you if you listen to the, our second but last show, um, we we dissected the final day. Malmo won the title on the final day of the season, of course, and we will look at some um, other business that's happened since then, uh, including the relegation playoff that will come in part two. So, you know, if you want to listen to Sweden, then stay tuned for part two, of course, and. If you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, you can you know you can go f- you can fast forward and rewind as you as you see fit, depending on what league you like prefer. But hopefully you'll stay with us for the whole show, and um, hope that you enjoyed last week's show as well. We had a, an episode with uh, the footballer Awa Mabi, which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, thanks to Henry, uh, our partner now football in DK. He he brought some uh, exclusive interviews there. Quite enjoyed that as well. So um, really hope. The listeners, if you've been following us, you know, either through our Patreon, of course, we've got to give a shout out to our patrons. Um, if you've been following us just in general on Twitter at Nordic Footpod or however you've, however you found us, hope you've enjoyed this season um, because it's been, as you say, our, our biggest year in terms of amount of episodes we produce, content, interviews we've had, put a lot of work into it, haven't we? So um, definitely earned a beer. And uh, yeah, let, let's look at Norway, shall we? Because mm. a very exciting final day of the season. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it in the final. Uh, in the episode before last week's one, you know, we talked about going into the final day of the season. It was a two-way shootout between Molde and Buda Glimt, maybe, if they were to drop points uh, and that kind of thing. And, of course, uh, bottom of the table, there were some serious, big, seriously big ramifications. Um, do you want to run us through the results of the final day, or, or shall I do? Yeah, I'll, I'll run you through the results, yeah. Uh, Brand 2, Sarpsborg 1, uh, Hagerson 1, Molde 2, Christiansen 2, Valerenga 1, Erstrom 2, Sanderfjord 0, Mjandal 0, Budiglint three, odd three, Starbeck one, Musenborg two, Stroms Godset two, Tromso nil, Viking two, and that led to some some interesting interesting final positions, Jonathan, I must say. 
Yes. Do you want to tell us who who are the champions? Mm. Yeah. Well, Budiglu- <laughs> it was a bit of an anticlimax for the title race because within five minutes it, it was pretty obvious Budiglu were probably going to win the title because they went two nil up within five minutes. But I know it's, it's only five minutes. It's just the way it happened. You just you just know sometimes, don't you? You just know. And um, they, they they just were like a bulldozer early on against me and Dan. They got a goal. They, there was a defensive mistake that forced the first goal. Uh, Pellegrino made up for his shambles of a performance the week before and um, and got them uh, another goal. And he had a really good performance, actually, more than made up for his, his poor week the week before. And, um, and he stayed 2-0 for a long time. Um, late on, Frederick Andre Bjorkan got his uh, got a goal in his last match with the club to seal the deal. And Mulder, Mulder managed to get a win as well, the way Argersund. Um, I was never really in too much doubt either, if I'm being honest. Um, but uh, yeah, Budigan, very clinical. They are the champions, 63 points this season. Um, nowhere near last year's incredible tally. And I mean, they scored over 100 goals last year, just 59 this time, but um, enough to get the gold medal. Mulder on 60 points and Viking actually on 57, much closer than I think most would have, would have thought that could have happened. And down at the bottom, Mjern Dahlen finished rock bottom, 22 points, Starbeck 25. Brand did, did make the playoff and then lost in the playoff against Yerv. More on that in a minute. And they're on 26 points and uh, and the rest of them teams in between. Yeah, as you mentioned there, goal in the second minute from uh, Eric Bottheim. Uh, they took a lot of fans, didn't they? There were a lot of fans behind the goal in, in Mjern Dahlen. Uh, then Pellegrino, third minute as well. Nice finish. Sort of typically well-worked, uh, glimped pass and move style wasn't it really uh and then Bjorkan the outgoing uh hero in the 78th minute to sort of seal it but as you mentioned it was kind of done and dusted in, in in those first few minutes I mean meanwhile um you know Mulder were kind of at, H- at Haugerson weren't they did they do all right in that game yeah they did they, they, they were quite professional and you know half time they must have realized that they probably weren't going to win the title um but they kept going strong I mean they were going to get second anyway on goal difference so they could have lost the game if they wanted to but they've been, you know, this Molder team the last two years, that would have been well worthy of winning any title, you know. So they can consider themselves a little bit unlucky. If Buda Glinton went around, you know, they would have, um, you know, they would have won three straight titles. So, um, but, you know, that's been said many times down the past, isn't it? If that team weren't there, well, you know, you know, if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle, wouldn't she? So it's it's one of those things. It's They're, they're a very good side of Molder. And, um, you know, they, they they keep going to the end. 60 points is, is a more than respectable total. And, and they were very professional getting the job done. And I was impressed with them. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really fantastic achievement from uh, Booty Glimmer, isn't it? Back-to-back titles. They, you know, as you mentioned, they've never won in their history the title before this last two years. How good a job has Kietz Jorgensen done? Because um, we'll have some news on him in a minute in terms of what's happening. But, you know, just tell us about the achievement there, because that is, you know, what, what does it mean to win back-to-back titles for for them? Yeah, we, I mean, we've had a few questions over the last few weeks saying, is this second title a better title? Because, and I kind of think it is, because, I mean, it's never easy with a big target on your back. I mean, they were so good in 2020, like every statistic available, they pretty much beat it. But uh, the defence has... They've relied more on defence this year. They've ground out results more. They've uh, played different styles in certain matches as well. And, you know, to finish the season, I think, something like 16 games unbeaten or, or along those lines. And they've mixed it in with Europe as well. They've had to travel. I mean, just three days before, they were in the Ukraine 
trying to win their Europa Conference League group, which is worth, you know, it's worth a few quid, isn't it? And a buy. They didn't get that, sadly. Roma won their group. Um, but, um, yeah, they've had a lot of challenges in, in the way this year. And, uh, you know, it comes down to it. That it, did, it, it came ultimately to that match, didn't it, in Mulder? It was dubbed the title decider. I said at the time it's not necessarily is, but it turned out that, that was the difference. Winning that game got them the elitist crown. So, yeah, I mean, if we look back, Mulder can certainly have regrets about losing 6-0 with Godset, but um, ultimately it was that head-to-head that, um, that determined it. It was like six or seven games before the end of the season. Who would you say have been sort of the key key players this season? Because you know there's been a lot of squad rotation, hasn't there? Really, uh, and you know as you mentioned, there could even be a bigger achievement than the last time. Partly that's because they lost so many key players, didn't they? In the in the last window, I mean, you season prediction wise, you did still think they'd win the title in the season preview, um, but you did think it would be a little bit closer. I mean, who have been the players that have come out of this new season and emerged? It's funny you mentioned squad well, rotation. By the way, before you answer that, don't, not, not too many spoilers for your uh, team of the season, which is coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny you mentioned squad rotation because that 16-game unbeaten run is when they stopped rotating, when, when, when they could. It was the first half of the season when there was... Sometimes it was because of injuries and other factors, um, but there was a bit more of a mi- mi- mismatch in terms of certainly the defensive areas midfield they did have to sort of chop and change it a lot in the second half of the season because of injury especially to i mean berg missed three games sultan has missed quite a lot as well um but fundamentally they kept that the same back four in nearly all but two games in that uh in that unbeaten run jonathan um uh Breda moa missed uh, a match against starbeck oh which won three nil and frederick um Andre Bjorkan, I think, uh, you know, actually, you know, he started against Sandefjord. He came off for 27 minutes, so they kept the same back four pretty much every game, um, and that's a big thing. Would you, I mean, <laughs> Bjorkan scored the last goal for them this season. It was quite fitting because I think, I think he's absolute quality. To be honest with you, I think there's a case for him. For he might be the best player in the league this season. You know, a left back, which is rather sensational. He's the reason that. That right backs keep getting in my team of the year, Jonathan, because I have to have a flat back four. <laughs> Next season, I can move to a, a back three, can't I? Because I, it might not have to be a left back. He's that good that he has to be in every team of the season at left back. He, he, he's sensational. And, um, yeah, I can't get, I, I mean, he's moving to Hertha, Hertha Berlin, end of contract. And um, I really am interested to see his progression because he's at a, an age now, 23. Where uh, he really could kick on and become an excellent player, I think it's a good league to go in. Um, but I would say for me, he's been there. I would say he's probably been their key man. People will talk about, you know, you like to Patrick Bergs and you Saltneses and you know, Bottheim. But um, for me, Bjorkan and then the, the defense as a whole this year, I think that's been uh, that's been the key. Yeah, and there's been <clears throat> not only you know, praise in the football world, but uh, just around Norway in general, um, some news came out of Norway that uh, Ketil Knutsen won Nordlander of the Year, which I think is an award given to sort of people who've achieved uh, a lot in um, in Norway in general in Northern Norway, and he's been named Northerner of the Year. And uh, some of the you know comments that came out after it are just really some of the praise that he's received, Ketil Knutsen. Um, also, he took over in 2018 as head coach, and and he's. Dev- basically transformed the club, hasn't he, into, into the dominant force now, which is really quite incredible. Um, 
So, yeah, some of the some of the praise. I mean, he, he sees every human being in the group. He is a master at bringing out the potential in an individual player. Um, Kit Wilkinson's story of his success is also the story of how players who fail elsewhere flourish under his leadership in in Buddha. And um, I mean, it's been announced that he's he's going to sign a new contract. Uh, he has actually spoken. It's quite quite an interesting interview. This is, by the way. Um, if you, you want to check out nrk.no, it's a uh, sort of Nor- Norwegian website. Um, he sort of talks about the you know the problems he's had in this season and kind of the, the challenges he's gone through. Um, and this award, I think, is not just for. By the way, it's not just for um, sporting p- uh, people. It's it's a general award, I think. Um, he says about how he's sort of been had a lot of time away from his family this year, and it's it's. He says it nagged at my conscience. Um, because he's obviously his family is in Bergen, but he moved to Buda apparently five years ago. And he said that, you know, I have a really narrow focus. Um, I could not take too much away energy away from my focus. Um, he's got a family, he says, in, in Bergen, two, two adult daughters, grandchildren. Um, and so, you know, just kind of quite an open, honest interview there. And, you know, he really has um, revolutionised this club, hasn't he? Let's face it, and revolutionised Norwegian football in a way. What what praise can you offer him uh, just on the fact that he's obviously he's he's agreed a new deal at the club? And how surprised are you that that actually happened? I mean, we actually forget, he's actually fifty three years old, so he's no spring chicken, is he? Um, you could say he's almost in his prime managerial age, though. I mean, what is a what is the prime managerial age, Jonathan? That's a good question in itself, isn't it? Would you say maybe? Be, I mean, it can depend, can't it? But it's getting maybe, younger, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But traditionally, that's like that would be like the prime age, wasn't it? Wouldn't it for a coach? Mm. Traditionally, but anyway, he's. Um, I mean, I can't praise him high enough. He's sensational. What he's done. I mean, we, you know, we pretty much wax lyrical about him in nearly every episode, don't we? Um, it's, uh, it's it's sensational. I mean, this is Buda Glimt. This is not like a powerhouse of of Norway traditionally or anything like that. Um, you know, he's transformed the whole club. Not just him. He has a great coaching staff. Great, great backroom team. Everyone in that setup has had a part to play, but he's always a, a figurehead, isn't there? And you know, he's obviously the man there. Um, and you know, he's rightly taking the plaudits. And I have to say, I'm absolutely shocked that he signed this new deal. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I'll be honest with you. I think he could walk out the door tomorrow, and probably half a dozen clubs would would offer a job to him. And I'm sure of that half a dozen, there'd be quite a few decent teams. I mean, he was linked with the Norwich City job not too long ago he's been linked with um malmo obviously rosenborg have mul- on multiple occasions have offered him a, a new deal he, he was offered uh, the what would have been the biggest um contract in uh, for a norwegian manager in the elite Serien or something like that i'm not sure exactly what these terms are at, at buda glimp now but um one thing i will say i mean it surprises me but it, does it does it maybe show a lack of ambition a little bit do you think jonathan because I don't really see what else he can achieve at Budapest now. You know, two straight titles. I mean, is he thinking win the Europa Conference League, win Norwegian Cups? I mean, I suppose that's the next thing for him. I mean, if he won the Conference League, that would be unreal. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I'd almost get a tattoo of him somewhere on my body if he did that. But um, but I'm afraid of needles, so forget that. But um, you know what I mean? It's like if he was to achieve those sort of heights, but I don't really get why um, he wants to sign the new deal. I, it's, I mean, surely he's a man who knows he's in demand. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's been linked. He's been linked with a Norwich job. Uh, that was one of the jobs that he got quite strongly linked with. Uh, and there's been other talk, Rosenborg as well. Malmo apparently, there has been some reports coming out that it, maybe it's a power play. Maybe, maybe who knows? If there, is there a release clause? Maybe, maybe it's kind of a strength of his position, bargaining wise. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. so, yeah, you know, it's not might not be the end of it. Um, clause is, yeah. Clause. <clears throat> just going to read. Just going to read some of the comments from other players. I mean, uh, Pellegrino, you mentioned there. He he came out and said. Um, you know, I, I remember this occasion till the day I die. Uh, what an experience has been for the club, for the city. Um, he said that I'd never imagined, not in my wildest dreams, that I think I would experience this, which is obviously a really nice story, especially if you study Pellegrino's history, you know, kind of his, his background and upbringing, um, working as a waiter when he was younger and that kind of thing, and, and becoming a, now becoming a, you know, a title winner uh, at Glimp. So, um, but before we move on, of course, there was, you know, the next challenge for Glimp before we move on from this team is obviously going to be keeping their players now that have won this title because there's quite a few leaving, isn't there, Steve? Yeah, and you're right, totally right about the clauses. There's probably something in there. I, you know what, Chettle Connection strikes me as someone who, who who wants to wait for the right project for him. And and I can't knock that. I mean, it might be that he has been offered jobs at, at, at very reputable teams, but it doesn't suit him. Like He might not have the control he wants, etc., etc. He might be waiting for that project. So, but fair play if he is in that regard. Um, in terms of players leaving, um, obviously Frederick Andrea Bierkans moved to Hertha Berlin, end of contract deal. Patrick Berg has moved to uh, Lons in France, reportedly to be around a three to four million pound deal plus extras. And uh, Russian club Krasnodar have just this week come in for uh, Eric Bottheim. And this is going to be at least four million pounds, uh, Jonathan, potentially doubling on bonuses. And I- Glimp did not want to sell bot time. He said he's not for sale this winter, but they can't refuse that sort of money. And I don't blame them because, I mean, he's had a good year bot time, but I think he's part is a product of their system. Whoever plays up front for them, if me or you played up front for them, we'd get some goals. We would, genuinely. And I think they can replace if they're getting that amount of money from. They can certainly find someone as good as bot time. He's, I think that's a real steal. And I think the Russian club are over overpaying for him there. But I mean, who else might leave? I, I guess if they get money for him like that, they, you know, they um, they can easily say to other clubs, right? No one else is going at all. We don't need to sell anyone else. We've got the money, um, we've got the coach. Now it's about bringing players in. But to, look, to you to lose Bjorkan and Berg um, alone is is massive. Two big players, and and Botan was the top scorer, so you know, that's a big spine. And um, it's about replacing, but I don't really think. I mean, Pellegrino's contract's up, so I don't know what's going to happen there. It was a short-term contract, but um, they shouldn't really lose anyone else now, unless like some a really good bid comes in. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> just to wrap up on on them, you know, you, you mentioned it's a bigger achievement maybe than the last seasons. Uh, Ulrich Saltness agrees with you, so you got a few people there that do agree with you. He said um, it's much better, much better than the last year. Um, it's absolutely incredible, he said. Um, it's been a nervous day, but it's been incredible. He said, we've had a completely different conditions than last year. It's been a much more turbulent year. We play, we play in the, you know, in, in Europe, with which none of our competitors have done. Um, <clears throat> we've done completely new things for the club that we have not been near before. We are still league champions, so this achievement tops last year. And he was actually asked if Kjetil Knutsen would stay, and he said he would, and that was before the new contract. So fair play to him there. He must be uh, a bit of a clever way in Ulrich Saltness but uh, uh, without further ado I think we should move on to your team of the season and we're going to come back to talk about uh, the rest of the league in a minute but uh, let's get into this because you know some of the players you just mentioned there anyway so we may as well 
you know, go go ahead with it. Uh, let's unveil our 2021 Elite Serian Team of the Season, Steve. Take it away. Right, so I'm going um, I'm going 4-2-4 here, actually, Jonathan. Fairly simple system. Goalkeeper is Mads Christensen from Lillestrøm. Left-back, Frederick andre Beer, Cambuda Glimt. The centre-back duo is Sheriff Sinian, Mulder and Breda Moo from Buda Glimt. And the right-back is Erlen Reitan. Uh, I've gone with two centre midfielders, Joe Bell from Viking and Patrick Berg from Buda Glimt. Left-winger, Christopher Velder, Argersund. Right-winger, Vidar Ari Johnson from Sandefjord. And two strikers, Oi Oimoranfo and Thomas Len Olsen. Um, my 12th man, this is the cricket inside of me, is Veton Berisha from Viking. So that, that's that's the, the 11. And, um, yeah, there were some tough choices here, I must say. Um, but in the end, um, you know, I had to, I, I plumped for, for the 4-2-4 formation. Very nice indeed. And, uh, by the way, just to um, go back to Glimpse again, um, we haven't mentioned it, but they'll obviously be playing in the Conference League. They made it through and they'll be playing against Celtic, isn't it, in the playoffs? So that's a, a big sort of money-spinning tie as well. I think they get an extra few million for carrying on in Europe. So that's that's a big achievement as well, which will obviously help them in the, in the, in the excuse me in the kitty. Um, let's run through your some of these names, Steve, because, you know, uh, the first player I'm going to ask you about is Joe Bell, just because, I mean, is he English? Because that is the, the most English. I mean... Uh, you know, unless his dad's called Taco, uh, maybe he's got some, some, some other heritage. But um, yeah, I mean, he he sounds like he's a, a Nui, Nui, uh, an Englishman. I mean, we wish he was English. Um, <laughs> no, he's actually a New Zealander. Right. I mean, this guy uh, played for Wellington Phoenix back in the day. I mean, he went over to America. Viking plucked him out there at the start of last year. And he had a fairly good year last year, actually. Solid season, but he's kicked on this year. His role is it's a difficult one to describe. He's sort of in between like a deep line playmaker and a box to box midfielder, if you know what I mean. Um, he, he, he's both a playmaker, but he also is really good at interceptions and um, and, and things like that. He's got, I mean, there's not too many midfielders really like that in this day and age, is there? Usually it's either one thing or the other, but he, he combines a lot of different duties. Um, I mean, he's had he provided a lot of assists this year, great set piece taker. And um, like I say, he his ball retrieval is excellent. So I mean, he's been Viking to finish third, and you know you're going to have some good players having a very good season if if that's the case. And he, for me, I think I mean Berisha does score 22 goals, but um, I think Bell was arguably more important because of the position in the field he's in. He really impressed me in the New Zealand uh, international. Also represented them at the Olympic Games. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Bjorkan, big move for him, come in. Mm. And, of course, uh, Patrick Berg, who's off, isn't he? He's off to France. Yeah, to Lens. Yeah, and, I mean, he, I think pretty much any team of the season has to have Patrick Berg in it. It's interesting, uh, statistically, he doesn't always, like, come out that high in terms of, you know, in categories, like in, in the top five or something. But he's never low either, you know what I mean? He does everything really well. Uh, and I feel like midfielders who play in his position, that like D-mid role, that deeper role, it can be really hard to identify statistically how good they are. You know, you've got to watch them with your with your own eyes. And I think Berg is an example of that. Um, but I mean, some would say he's player of the year, um, you know, best player in the league. I mean, maybe that's sort of based over the last two years. I don't think he was. I mean, I thought he, yeah, 
I think he was as good this year. He was. He, he led the team. He drove them forward, especially when Solnes was was injured. And you know he's got this move to uh, Racing Club de Lens now, where you know I think that's a good. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how it does in France actually. Probably the sort of league will suit him. But um, I mean, he's been a joy to watch, and uh, disappointed to see him go. But uh, fully deserves merit and a position in this team of the year. Yeah, I'm personally really happy to see him move into the league. Obviously, I'm sure you are as well as a former former mm. French football analyst, as as as, uh, as as you are, my friend. <clears throat> um, looking at, uh, talk to me about the the the, the two centre backs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was really the, I was torn. The other the centre back worth um, talking about is Marius Luda at Budapest, and I actually put him in my team of the season last season. Breda Moo and Sheriff Sinian. Sheriff Sinian's a really interesting player. He's a Gambian lad, but he hasn't played for the Gambia since 2019. I don't know whether he's some sort of a fallout with his own country, but he's not even named in their African Cup of Nations squad. Gambia are actually in the African Cup of Nations in 2022. I'm sure you knew that, Jonathan, but a lot of people wouldn't have thought that. A very small country on the west of Africa. I, mean, I think he's as good. I think he could be the best defender in the league next year. He's a physical monster. I mean, he wins so many duels. It's crazy. He's good in the air. Pops up with a goal as well. He managed from the uh, set pieces. And he they lost Dean Grigerson um, to Bordeaux in the summer. And Sinian was like the ready-made replacement. And he took over the reins really well. Molder defence was a little bit leaky at times this year. But I think it's partly to do with the system. But I think Sinian really... Will, he's he's going to be very difficult to penetrate next year if, he, if his mind's right. So uh, Sinian, for me... Definitely got the edge over um, Marius Loder. And I think Braden Moe comes in my team because he uh, it's just he's, he's, he's passing. He's excellent. Um, he's, his ball distribution, I mean, most of the whole Budagrim team's ball distribution is superb. But his, um, I mean, he can create stuff from deep. He can, uh, you know, ball progression, pretty much anything you want, uh, Braden Moe. And... Um, you know, I think he had he just there wasn't much in it between him and Marius Loder, but I think moved this year just about deserved the spot. I've got to be honest, the cupboard's a little bit bare for centre backs in Norway. Maybe I got Okbu at um, Lillestrøm would be worth a mention, but there's not a lot else, and it's been it's been difficult for me both. For la- I think the last two or three years now, you know, to find that many centre backs um, to to pick from. So hopefully going forward, we're going to have a few more. But yeah, them two deserved it this year. Yes, Sinian <clears throat> is 25 years old, of course, played 24 games this season. Uh, aerial duels per 95.7, according to Scout. Uh, long passes per 93.97, um, 91% pass accuracy. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> Scout has got this wrong because it's 100% tackle accuracy, which I can't believe that's That right. probably is like some glitch, I would imagine. That's got to be a glitch some, <laughs> somewhere. Uh, otherwise, he's, he's like the best defender of all time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not, not sure on that one, but yeah, Sinyan and, and of course, Breda Mu at, at Glimp. Uh, right back, you've got Erlen Reitan. It's interesting to see a Rosenborg player. I mean, they've not had much to talk about this season, have they? Uh, like, you can thank Frederick Andre Bjorkam for getting in the team because I've got to have a right back, haven't I? I can't have a left back and three centre backs. So I have to have a right. Every year, I, this is the same problem. I have to have a right back in. In fairness, he has actually had quite a good year. So. He's, I think, eight assists. Um, he's always been a strong defender. He's that's been the best part of his game. 
he had a season on loan at Buda Glimt in 2019. And I think it kind of was the making of this lad, really, because he's been quite solid since he's come back to Rosenborg. This year, he, he improved on his, the attacking side of his game. They haven't had much gone right for them, Rosenborg, this year, but I think he's been... I mean, he, he's their player of the season for me, hands down. Vecchia as well would be a contender, but I think Raitan um, is a good, balanced uh, right-back who... And he's probably the right club right now, Rosenborg. I mean, you know, they've got a new manager now, but... Um, Nothing special. He's probably of this eleven. He's probably the weakest of all the eleven, and he's partly in the team just because he has to be in the team. But he's had a solid enough year, so fair play to him there. And um, it'd be interesting to see if he can kick on again next year and and just refine his game, basically. Refine his game, indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, not the greatest of seasons for. Rosenberg, which we'll talk about. I mean, in a second, can I right? just mention a couple of players by Snorstrand Nielsen at Christiansen? I really, really strongly considered him. Um, and Samstead at Budaglim was strong as well. Strand Nielsen, I was I was I was literally gonna put him in, but I couldn't ignore right hand stats were a lot better than his. So unfortunately the Christiansen right back missed out. Yeah, I mean ten assists, that's that's ridiculous. Mm. According to transfer mark, ten assists in twenty eight games. I mean, that's, that's Trent Alexander levels, isn't it? I mean, I think according to Weissgat, it was eight assists. Assists are sometimes given for winning penalties and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Transfer mark. So, but it's still very impressive. Like I said, you can't knock that, can you? Very impressive indeed. And then we've got, we've talked about Joe Bell, obviously, uh, Patrick Berg. Then the white wingers, you've got Christopher Velder of Haugesson and Vida Ari Jonsson from Sanderfield. Two sort of underrepresented clubs this season, maybe. Not often talked about. Uh, tell us about these two players. I think I probably better talk about the goalkeeper first, actually. Um, well, you do love a goalkeeper, so yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Mads Christensen at Lillestrøm, I've gone for him, and um, I've seen a few people go with Sean McDermott here uh, at Christensen. I mean, no bias here, but I, I really Christensen for me edges him because um, in terms of expected conceded goals against. He was the best in the league. He basically conceded six, nearly, nearly six full fewer goals than he should have. And you know, this is a lad who started the season as a number two goalkeeper. After the first two games, they brought in Alex Cranix on, uh, on loan from Mulder. And then the goalkeeper ditched him and then Christensen took back over again. He was seen as almost like too raw for the uh, elite Serian. He started from last year in the Obos. He was seen as too raw. But as soon as he came back in the team, they started winning games. Lillestrom averaged two points per game in the matches he started. I mean, he got injured towards, I think it was like September or October. He missed four games and they were conceding goals left, right and centre, Jonathan. And I mean, that just proves to me that he is such a massive part of the team. I mean, he's only a 21-year-old goalkeeper. And you know what? The, probably the most remarkable thing about him is, is he, he's not he's not spectacular. You don't kind of remember him for like his incredible saves. He's there when you need him to be, but he doesn't make mistakes. You know, it's like a a good referee in football. You, you kind of don't notice him because he's just so efficient. And I, I kind of like that. If it was like football manager, his eccentricity would be like one. It'd be really low. And that, I, for me, that's probably a good thing for some keepers. You're not going to get like this incredible Fabian Bartes moments from Christiansen, but he's, he's a solid keeper. McDermott did have a very good year the first half of the year anyway, 
but he started to creep in a few mistakes towards the end. He had one terrible game. I know you can't judge keep on one game, but he had one really bad game. And I think overall, Christensen for me uh, takes uh, takes takes certainly took took the goal goalkeeping slot. You know, nothing against Christensen. It's like, it feels like you know I've let two Christensen players very close to my team nearly got in it, um, but they were just edged out, mate. Yeah, and he's still quite young, Chris, and he's been linked with a few clubs as well, so might might be one to keep an eye on there, a de- decent prospect potentially. Uh, now let's come to your wing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is, um, I mean, right wing is obvious for me, Vidarari Johnson. I mean, this is a converted right back. Um, and this year he's scored a lot of goals. I looked at all of his goals, and some of them are really long-range bangers, and some are just really opportunistic ones where he's in great, I think he's got great anticipation and positioning from set pieces. There's, there's certain players in the game, isn't there, Jonathan? Like from, a, you know, when like a corner or a free kick comes in, there's like rebounds. They're always in the right place poaching and it's crazy. And he has that knack. I actually think he could, he could actually play as a striker, you know, because he can head the ball really well too. He can get himself in space. They could com- definitely convert him into some sort of striker. Um, so Sander Fjord, I mean, I didn't bottom. Most te- people had them going down and he's one of the main reasons why They've stayed up fairly uh, very comfortably um, because he had a great season. Uh, left wing was much harder for me. I was torn here between three players: Christopher Velder, Ola Brynhildsen, or Jermaine Assen. Now Jermaine Assen had a great year for Lillestrøm, a lot of assists. I couldn't really have three Lillestrøm players in my team of the year, to be honest, though. So, and he also has played a mid most of the year. So it came between Velder and Brynhildsen. And, you know, let's have a, someone different in the team. So Christopher Velder, this might, I mean, he's probably plays his last match for Augustin. I think he wants to move away. Um, I don't know whether it would be to another club in Norway or abroad, um, but he's um, he's an inside forward, plays on the left, strong left, strong right foot. And he's my sort of player because he gets stuck in. He's aggressive, competitive, technical, a bit selfish sometimes as well. He'll have a go, try and make something happen himself. And he's playing in a much, I'm not, I'm not saying Augustin's a poor side, but they're mediocre, you know, at best. So, you know, to com- I think he's had about seven goals, seven assists, a few more assists as well, listed on transfer mark for winning penalties and free kicks. He's one of the most foul players in the league. Uh, close call, but Christopher Velder, I've always liked him. And this is maybe the last chance I've got to, to put him in my team of the year. So I went with him. Yeah, and uh, your strikers, I'm quite, uh, inter- I'm quite surprised to see one of them who is at Mulder because you've... Over the years, you, you've never been his biggest fan, I'd say. You've you've had a few words of criticism at times over the past few years, but he's made your team of the season, uh, and his name is Owe Omiwafa. Well, he's won the golden boot, so I can't not have him in the team, can I? 27 goals to Thomas Len Olsen's 26, and Vettel Barish is the 12th man in this team at 22 goals. Very unlucky not to make the, the team of the year with 22 goals, aren't you? But uh, look, there's not much else to say about these two lads. They're just incredible strikers. I think Len Olsen's had the better year. His actual XG was something like eight less than what he scored. And Tom Len Olsen scored the most goals from outside the penalty box from anyone this year. A couple of really nice technical goals. But you can't knock Owe. He, um, you know, there was at times, maybe four or five years ago, then I did criticise him a bit. But he, um, since he moved to Mulder, he's, he's been the real real deal. And, and you know, he's moving to, to Red Star now, Red Star Belgrade. And um, you know, good luck to him. He's um, he's earned his move there, 
and uh, yeah, he, he won the Golden Boot. So you know, fair play to to, to oh, he's he's the ultimate poacher, and he's you know he settled in nicely at Mulder. And a team that creates a lot of chances. He's came into his own. But for me, I think Thomas Len Olsen was, was the better striker this season. It, it, uh, maybe for Len Olsen, it, this might be like the one really amazing season he ever has in his life because he you know he didn't even score double digit digit goals in the Obos last year. So I'd be interested to see if Len Olsen can kick on. But, I mean, these two had to come in the team. 27 goals and 26, respectively. It was a no-brainer. Yeah, Len Olsen, you, you've praised him quite a lot. I mean, what, what kind of player is he? You know, what kind of striker? Mm, target man. Physical target man. But he's really worked on the technical side of his game. Like I say, he scored goals this year. I'm like, that's not a Thomas Len Olsen goal. You know? Um, so something... I don't know what changed. I mean, it certainly helped him, I think, switching to the three sort of three four two one formation for some reason and it definitely helped him getting in some good technical players like Jürgen Assen. the delivery into the box is better than him better for him now but no player had more headed attempts this year than Thomas Len Olsen so you know you can you can put it in the box high to him and he's going to cause himself a nuisance but now that he's improved the technical side of his game sometimes look he's 30 years old now sometimes it can take a player till then to to to, to get that side the mental side of his game as well um, so I'd say target man, but sort of this year he's operated as a complete forward, Jonathan. It's as simple as that. There, that wraps it up. Then that's your eleven players. I mean, Vettel Baric is the twelfth man. I'm not going to ask you too much about him because obviously uh, we we're not, this isn't cricket, is it? I mean, it's not the Ashes, so um, I'll, let, I'll let you have some a rest from the cricket. Um, but uh, just quickly before we move on to your, your coach of the season, um, are any of them in your? Were any of them in your tend to watch for the beginning of the season? Well, Jermon Assen was. Um, I thought I was really close to putting Assen in the team. And that would have been a nice little sort of coup for me almost, wouldn't it? To have one of my tend to watch in the team of the season. But, um, I mean, how, what did my, how did my 10, 10 players to watch do this year? These My 10 players to watch were Ola Solbakken, Arne Hegebo, Jermon Assen, Emil Conradson Seiler, David Datro Fafana. What on earth happened to him? Yeah, he's just been on the bench, the Molder bench every every week. Philip uh, Ronigan Jorgensen at odd. Eric Kitalano, Henrik Hegheim, who actually moved, I can't even remember where he moved to, probably Belgium from Viking. Sakarius uh, Opsal and Sterler Otterson. They all had a good year, actually. Now, apart from Fafana, which, you know, he may be coming to his own next year, Jonathan. So I'm quite pleased with my tenor watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sort of trying to dig you out there. Just, just wondered if there's any. Um... Yeah, I mean, how you how you felt about your ten to watch? Really, that's that's probably more the question. Pretty, yeah, pretty pleased. You know, I mean, you know, there was a, you know, I know you sometimes have gone with some really young lads, and I'm not known for that. So I mean, Aston's thirty, and I, I think I was a really good one to watch for a thirty year old. You know, who'd been kind of everyone had written him off at Rosenborg a little bit, but I, I still believe in him. I'm probably a little bit disappointed with Conrad's insider, to be honest. Still. Like he's in a loose. I mean, I've slagged him off before, haven't I, on here? And he's still quite not getting his full potential. He had glimpses this year, though, at least. Um, you know, Hegham's moved away from the league. Otterson, I think, will get a good team next year. Solbakken was good before he got his his shoulder injury. Hegabo was probably Brand's best player in the second half of the season. So, yeah, not a bad bunch actually for me. Quite pleased with with my ten to watch. Yeah, you had. I mean, you had a good one as well later on. We'll talk about Sweden, but um, you know, we're not bad, are we? On our tend to watch, John. We aren't too bad, no. And of course, that uh, tends to attract uh, people. We've got quite a few scouts who follow uh, this podcast and uh, people like that working at clubs. So, yeah, 
always feel free to email us if you want information or want some inside info and that kind of thing on on uh, talents to watch out for. Um, because yeah, we've done pretty well over the years, definitely. Um, quite briefly, before we move back to the season review, mm. we'll talk about a couple more teams. Where you know, before we end this part one, um, we've picked three coaches uh, in our coach of the season. Basically, we're doing an awards ceremony for the manager of the year. Uh, so, do you want to quickly read out yeah. your uh, bronze medal, your silver medalists, and your gold medal? Well, I managed to fit four coaches into three here, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly, I nearly managed to fit five in. Um, but bronze medal guy backer at Lillestrøm, newly promoted, got them into fourth place. They will be in Europe next season if they win the Norwegian Cup or one of the top three win the Norwegian Cup. So that'd be nice for them. I really considered the Sanderfield managerial duo, by the way, because they've done a great job down there keeping them up and doing so well. But I had to put in the silver position Beata Lunda Ashheim and Morten Jensen. And that's the only time you'll ever hear me say their names. They are the Viking managerial duo. That's what I referred to them as. To 57 points. They're only six off the title. Like, no one thought that. I mean, Viking Roy is probably everyone's top six or seven. But I think a lot thought that they would they would go downhill this year and they've actually improved. So a fair play to them, that managerial duo. I mean, the two in, in the elite series have worked out really well for them this year. I mean, I've always been dubious over duos, but fair play. And then the gold medal, the um, the coach of the season for me, no surprises here, drum roll, <laughs> Jetil Knudsen. It has to be Jetil Knudsen for retaining the, the elite series crown and, you know, qualifying from the conference league group. So, um, that's my that top three coaches this year. Yeah, and you mentioned you never uh, you'll ne- you never mention their names. I, I, honestly, I've never actually heard you mention them ever on this show before. So I, I was a little bit surprised seeing them in the silver medalist. But uh, massive congratulations to the duo, uh, Gearbacker as well, and of course uh, Mr. Knutson, of course, who we talked about earlier. Um, your, your flop of the year, team and player. Yeah, and last year it was Doda Bamba, and he kind of proved me wrong. Be, be nice, be nice. Last year, Doda Bamba was my flop of the year, and he proved me wrong actually. Uh, at the in this in the uh, first half of this year, before he moved away, yeah, he, he scored a few goals for Brown. Unfortunately, this player is not going to be able to prove me wrong because he's retiring. Uh, Alexander Tetti is my flop of the year, and Brown Football Club as a whole are, are my sort of team flop. Tetti, and this feels harsh because this is had a, he's had a great career. Like first things first, great career, fully respect him, love what he's done. Um, you know, Wren, Norwich. But, you know, this is a player in the 1920 season. He actually started 30 Premier League games. And I know Norwich were terrible that year, but if you're starting games in the Premier League just, you know, a couple of years ago, less than that, I think there was kind of high hopes that he would come into Rosenborg and be and make a massive difference in terms of, you know, and he's only 35, and I say only 35, you know, often I slag off old players, but 35 for someone that good who's played at such a high level should be able to really come in and, and, and assert themselves on the league. But he's had fitness problems. I know that's not his own fault. Then it was revealed that he can't play in on any of the artificial surfaces. I mean, that in itself is a flop, isn't it? I mean, why? I wouldn't, I, I would not sign someone who can't play on like, I think that's eight or nine grounds. Um, that's just sheer madness. And the matches he did play, um, he just he looked past it. You know, I can see why he's retiring. Maybe he's, you know, he's, he plays in that midfield role, and it's hard on the legs down the years, isn't it? He's had a lot on there. 
Um, it's probably probably a saying that expectations maybe <clears throat> didn't quite yeah. to the expectations mm. of fans that. But I mean, at thirty-five. I'll be honest. I didn't realize he was that old. I think he's. I, I think yeah. I remember you know French football days of me and you, mate, when uh, he was a bit of a stalwart. Mm. Ren, I, I, I've really quality, right? He was yeah. quality. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm actually sad he's retiring. When you just said that, it kind of made me feel old because. Uh, yeah, he was a good, he was a top player. And... I just think, yeah, I think it's the expectations. There was a lot of hoo-ha about this. And, you know, I, I thought about Islamovic might be flop of the year actually there. I feel like someone at Rosenborg could have been a, a contender. He only scored six goals, but he did miss eight for injury. But Eliza, look, Teddy probably wasn't fit for half the time, but I think he has to be flop of the year just because I think we expected more of him or quite a few others expected more. And um, it just... He played in all the in the in the uh, European qualifying games because I think all those were on grass. But um, you know, great career. But I think this season it just and Rosenborg themselves have been a flop this year. It's not just him, but as a yeah, player, I, I feel mean, like... it's caught up with him, hasn't it? At the end of the day, which yeah. you know, thirty-four caps for Norway, yeah. Yeah, played in the Premier League, played for Norwich. Funnily enough, came from the youth academy at Buda Glimt, so that's quite an interesting one. Um, when they were probably not as big, um, but yeah, massive. Uh, you know, two hundred, nearly two hundred fifty games for Norwich as well. So. Salute Alex Tete. I mean, probably maybe it was just too much for him, and maybe maybe the club put too much expectations on him as well. You got to yeah. factor that in. It's not only on the player. Um, Brand as your flop of the year. Just wrap up why them and not Rosenborg. Well, uh, are the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we start? I mean, I'm going to. Have to I mean, Brand. I need like an hour on them. Jumping. Um, just they got relegated. There, they've been a mess off the field. The sex party. Everything, mate. Absolutely everything. But an absolute mess of a club. And um, <laughs> nothing. Nothing's been good about Brand this year, mate. So it was obvious. I mean, we're going to talk about him in a minute in the playoff, but absolutely had to be the, the, the team flop of the year for me. Rosenborg not far off. Short and sweet. <clears throat> that will wrap up part one. We're just going to end it with a bit of a, a Leeds Serian fantasy talk. And if you want, Steve, this is your chance to sort of give a shout out to one or two other teams because we're running over a little bit in terms of timings. But uh, mm. yeah, let's wrap up the Elite Serum Fantasy. And, and if you've got anything else to say about the bottom half, of course, the relegation, now's your time. Well, I will just go into fantasy. Um, and uh, we must say thanks to anyone who was in the Nordic Football uh, Podcast uh, League this year. And the winner was. Uh, Uvaline United, Emil Magnus Jakobsen, uh, 1,983 points he scored. His actual overrank in the whole com- overall rank in the whole competition was eighth. So fair play. The top three rounded out by at Tactical FPL, uh, FF Ramblings, and uh, Heskibo got third spot in our league, joint third spot, sorry, with Vega uh, Bioga. That's a tough one to pronounce, but. Um, uh, Heskibo's team's called That's Number Wangberg. I like that one. And uh, Kalrabi Kamaratane for uh, Vegard there, equal third. So well done to them. Uh, I finished a very disappointing 59th this year in, in uh, Elite Series Fantasy. Really poor year for me. Just couldn't get going in it at all. But uh, I mean, before we go, we have to talk about the, the playoff, Jonathan. Um, I didn't watch it live. I watched uh, some of the highlights of it. I was out in the sticks in uh, probably in North Yorkshire. With no signal at all. I couldn't believe it when I got back that Yerv beat Brown in the playoff match of uh, on penalties after it finished uh, four all after extra time. It was a mental game. And uh, I'm sure you saw the um, 
sort of the uh, the stats and, and the goal minutes here, and, and you were thinking literally, what the hell? But um, I mean, I couldn't believe it. But the end result was that Brana relegated. Yeah, it's, well, that was a crazy game. I mean, to be honest, we could talk about Norway for the next 20, 30 minutes. We haven't even talked about teams that got went down. So, uh, I mean, Brana down, Farbeck down, Mjondal and they're down. Um, Jerva back in the, well, I think it's going to be the first ever time in the Elite Serenium, am I right in saying, or 100 years or something like that. Um, so, massive congratulations to Jerv. How disappointed are you to lose Starbeck, who I'm going to call you out here, you had them quite high in your season preview. Yeah, I had them sixth. It was embarrassing for me to have them go down. But they're, they're always been a tough side to predict Starbuck, though. You never know which version of them is going to come up. Great producer of youth, academy, stuff like that. But it just it hasn't worked out from this year. I think they've got a good manager that can come back, um, you know, be a contender, bounce straight back. But um, I don't know. Maybe they need to, I don't know what they can do, really. I mean, they've often been a selling club. It's, I mean, I'm disappointed to lose them in a way, but it might do them some good to have a bit of a reset. Um, yeah, and Darwin fought really hard, give it their absolute best shot over two years and full respect to them. But they, they ultimately didn't have the quality either. And Brand, I'm honestly, I'm really disappointed losing Brand. I, I don't have a soft spot for them for, or anything, but, but they're a big club and there's always a good storyline to go with Brand. You know, there's a lot of fans that are extremely disappointed. They've, they've done it before. I've seen them go down before and they bounce back straight away, but it feels like such a loss because, look, I'm sure they'll win the league next year or come straight back up. They're too far too good for the old bosses again. And, you know, Yerva coming up and, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit despondent. I mean, I, I, it's a bit of a fairy tale, but it reminds me maybe when Ranheim came up, but the difference there was, it, you know, Song they beat Songdal and Songdal was such a boring side. It was kind of good to see the end of them. And Ranheim with this sort of little brother of Tron in Trondheim of Rosenborg. There was something different, you know, these sort of part-time carpenters and whatnot. And, and you know, they gave a good show of themselves. But Yerv, I mean, I just looked at some of their games and I mean the stadium looks an absolute doghouse. You know, the pitch looks awful. I mean, I've seen it all, but I, I I don't think they're gonna add a lot to the Elite Serian. I mean, it sounds all we were well done to them, but already this kind of on my black mark list i've got to do a full set of research into them which annoys me uh so yeah i'm disappointed brand have gone it was a crazy game then brand missed two penalties in the in the playoff in regulation and it was robert taylor who missed the final penalty for them which cost them relegation shame for taylor he actually had a good year uh for them but um look you have took the chance it was a one-off match which i get I, I disagree with that i think it should have been two legs sweden had it over two legs so why couldn't norway you know, it becomes much more of a lottery and much more, you know, it plays into the underdog's hands when it's one leg, doesn't it? So um, I disagreed with that. I think they could have fitted two legs in. But, uh, you know, Brana gone and, you know, it sums up kind of a, just been a terrible year for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've been a bit negative there on Joe, but uh, Discovery expert Joachim Jonsson described it as the biggest, since the biggest surprise in the 2000s of the century. So, um <laughs> You know, this is a massive achievement for for Jeff. So let's give some credit to them as well. Um, Bard Finner said he is completely crushed. Uh, losing such a fight hurts like hell. Um, yeah, and it feels terrible. But uh, yeah, congrats to Jeff. Congrats to Oystein Ovratit. I think I've got that right. Uh, who saved two penalties? Um, he was really the keeper was really good. Yeah, and saved saved two in the shootout as well. So I mean, this is going to be Jeff's first time in the league in their history. 
the first club from the former Aust Antigada to play at the top level since the top division was merged into one in 1963. And a huge achievement for everybody related to Jerv. So, um, yeah, goodbye, Bram. But uh, hello, Jerv. And Steve, you're going to have to dig out your history books. You're going to have to dig out your spreadsheets and get to work, my friend, because well, they're, yeah, I mean, they're here for one year at least. It minimum. might be that I'm, look, maybe I've become more miserable in my old age. I feel like 10 years ago, I would have loved something like this. But <laughs> I really feel you like. I'm winning, aren't you? But, you know, I mean, but I've, but now I'm like, for, I'm like, for, 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 you know, for F's sake, you know, it's a, a club that I'm probably just going to have to get used to for one year but brand's expected goals by the way in that playoff game was 7.41 <laughs> that is well i mean that, <laughs> penalties, though. that didn't include the penalty shootout yeah. obviously but yeah. um there you go anyway congrats yeah. to jerv goodbye mm. brand we'll see you next year maybe but uh we'll have to look, keep a little around your boss because um it's a bit of a shame in terms of their fan base you know we're going to lose a big big club there really but uh at the end of the day you've got 30 games to stay in the league and yeah. brand's got Five Sorry, and 14 defeats. So uh, I hope they enjoyed their sex party. It's time to time to go. <laughs> Coming up in part two, we're going to move to Sweden. And uh, we will maybe come back to the way we wrap it up at the end of the show, but we've got to move on now. Mm. So I hope yeah. you've enjoyed 2021. Steve, you got, what are your memories of the season? And, uh, you know, before we wrap up very briefly in, in 30 seconds, you know, what's your overriding memories and how will you reflect on this 2021 season? I'll reflect on it as the year, you know, Budigan defended that title progressed in Europe and, and you know the brand issues like I say the year that fans came back again uh, we had full stadiums by you know the last sort of 10 rounds and um, you know it's going to be you know mixing up the pack again next year Yerv coming in there you know maybe they can sort of win me round you know they might, I might love them you never know um, so it's you know it's three three new teams to look forward to I, w- I would say it's not necessarily the shock of the century, by the way. Mjern Dahlen beat Bran over two legs, and that was a huge shock. I think it was 2014. I think mean, it's just as big a shock that was. But, um, yeah, good year. I'm looking forward to next year already. April the 3rd is the start of the Elite Serien, I do believe. Bring it on. Yeah, I've got a feeling you might not be a, much of a Joe fan. I mean, they did finish third in the league, so fair enough to them. They, you know, they got the second most, uh, third most points. I've got a feeling you'll be a Hamcam fan, uh, given your tagline, <laughs> Meat Man Soccer. Uh, a bit of ham in the league. I don't think you're going to say no to that. And uh, of course, congrats to Arlison. So that wraps up for part one. In part two, we'll move to Sweden and we're going to review our team of the season. We'll also look at the league in a little bit and, and some of the players that stood out and that kind of thing. So get yourself a hot cup of uh, mulled wine and join us for part two. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. This is part two. We've just had the Norwegian season review and now it's time for Swedish Alsvenskan and uh, Jonathan. We we know the champions are. It was uh, Malmo on the final day. We knew the two automatic relegation teams, Ostersunds and Urebro. We didn't know since the last time we did a podcast who the third and final either relegation or promotion was going to be as Halmstad one of your favourite teams against Helsingborg and uh, a two-legged two legged playoff in Sweden. Um, so I think we'd better start there, actually, before we move on to this overall review. Take us through what happened in uh, that final two matches of the season. Yes, yes, yes. It is indeed HIF. Uh, Helsingborg are back. 
and we yeah we talked about kind of the the battle of the H's, Hampstead uh, against Helsingborg in the in the um, relegation playoff final. Hampstead obviously got that uh, that draw at Malmo wasn't quite enough to to sort of survive. Um, so it meant they were in the relegation playoff. Degafors were the ones who who climbed out of the the, the relegation zone um, on the final day of the season, dropping uh, Hel- uh, dropping Halmstad, who've who've you know we've talked about them their, their rugged defensive uh, solidity, um, and you know you thought that maybe uh, they, they they might have a tough game against Helsingborg because I, I did say that you know they're a big club, to be honest, um, and you know in the end of, at the end of the day. It's 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 Helsingborg who who have done it. They, uh, you know, the first the first leg was, you know, a tricky game. Uh, Hamster won it, and you thought that, um, you know, you thought that, you thought they'd go, you know, they're at home in the next leg, and you thought, you know, with their defensive record, you thought they'd they'd get it done. To be honest, um, but I, I'd be fair to him. You know, the player who I think decided the game, I think probably is the one that's that's kept them in, fired them back into Osvenskan basically. Uh, Anthony van der Hurt, the captain, um, he came out and said after the first leg, I do think we can still turn this game around. You know, it was a bit of a chess match uh, and it really was. I mean, a lot of Hamstad games, I think chess match is probably a great description of them the, the whole season, really. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there was hardly any shots on goal. I don't think I don't think Helsingborg had a single shot on goal in the first uh, in the first leg. Um, you know, th- that's how that's how that's how rigid. Uh, Hamstad are, you know, I think they had one, I think they had one shot on goal in the entire match in the first leg. Um, so, uh, and I don't even think it was on target. But um, yeah, I mean, second leg they turned it around though, and uh, you know, this was a much better game in fact. And and really, it came down to a couple of howlers, defensive howlers. Joseph Baffo had a had a uh, a bit of the Stevie G about him. He got the heebie-jeebies. Um, a proper slip in the last couple of minutes of the game, letting in the, like it was carbon copy of Gerard's slip to be honest. Um, mm. letting in, uh, letting them in clean through to, to seal it. But Van den Herk's goal was the one that, that kind of um turned the game around. It was you know, uh, Hamstad did get a goal, uh, Samuel Kroon, but but Helsing will turn it around with uh, you know, their fans. And it was it was interesting after the game. I mean, Van den Herk when he scored his goal. To make it two one in that in the you know when he, he made it two one and it basically meant that on away goals they were they were ahead and then obviously the um the third goal was kind of um that that slip from Baffo but I tell you what he um he really celebrated that second goal late on it was I think the last 10, 15 minutes he went crazy uh, and the fans behind the goal Helsingborg are a well supported club by the way um, we had Robin Asterhead of course who was a Vinamo manager and he's a big Malmo obviously going back to Malmo and he said his biggest achievement was beating Helsingborg because there's a bit of a rivalry between Helsingborg and Malmo down south there um so yeah it was it was really kind of the, the Helsingborg fans went mad the game had to stop for a little bit because they were like the, the Helsingborg players jumped into the crowd and it was like going crazy Van den Herk said after the game you know I feel really um this proves why why I stayed because he had a lot of he had a lot of interest from most fence clubs uh, last season when they got relegated and it was a bit of a surprise that he he um stayed because you know, it was a big signing for them. Came from the Netherlands. You know, um, player who did quite well last season in the, in the league. You know, got a decent amount of goals. Um, so yeah, he he's really the main man who shot them back up. But uh, yeah, for Halmstad, it's a it's a real shame because you know I, may, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. They conceded. They only conceded like they barely conceded any any goals all season. Steve, you know, we t- we talked about them so many times. You know, going to places like Malmo, getting clean sheets. Um, you get a clean sheet in the first leg. You know they only conceded 26 goals in 30 games. Um, to go get relegated with that sort of offensive record, I mean Malmo conceded 30 goals. Mm. So 
you know, AIK conceded 25, you know, so to get relegated with that few, and to concede three goals, you know, in one game, um, when you won a lot was a real disappointment, I think, for Hamstad in that sense. You know, you probably thought that they might have it just above above board. There was a few question marks about the manager, some ta- uh, tactical changes he made when it was uh, one all, I think, at the time. And I think he, he went quite defensive and I think that backfired in the end. So he made a few changes, obviously took off the goal scorer before uh, Helsingborg scored. So, yeah, ultimately it's goodbye to, to Hamstad, which I'm a bit disappointed in, but I guess ultimately, when you score 21 goals in a season in the 30 games, you you are asking for trouble, aren't you? Yeah, it seems like we both had disappointments in the relegation playoff matches, haven't we? Respectively, this year. Um, I know you did have a certainly a soft spot for Hampstead and stuff. Well, I'll be honest. Just to, re- just to recap that, just just before, you know, I just want to give you a bit of a initial mm. statistics. Steve. They conceded 11 percent of the entire goals they conceded in the entire season yeah. in one half of football. It was one, sorry, one game of football in the relegation second leg playoff. That that is, to me, that's the biggest shock about it. It's kind of like how, I mean, I know three goals isn't that much to concede really in one game. It, you know, it happens, right? But for for Halmstead to do that, I mean, there's a stat. There it is you know, eleven point five percent of the goals conceded in the entire thirty game season conceded in one match. So I think from that point of view, though, they'll really have a lot of regrets about the way they've gone down. Well, I, you know, I'm actually going to come leap to their defence here which might surprise you. But I think using the away goals rule, it's an archaic method now. You know, UEFA have scrapped it, haven't they, in the champion, in all European competitions? Yeah. So why why has the Swedish, uh, Sweden not cancelled it? Because if that match should go to extra time, if it's if it goes 2-1, so the third goal wouldn't be scored, in my opinion, because it was on the break, wasn't it? Like, last, they had to throw everyone forward and stuff. It would yeah. more than likely have gone to extra time, and then who knows? So I think Halmstad are a little bit unlucky there, but it surprises me. You've got a one-nil lead first leg. Usually over over two legs, the better defensive team will come out on top, just the way it goes. So it did surprise me a bit, but they just seem to have they just seem to find a bit more, didn't they, Helsingborg? Their fans really pushed them over the line, and you know, it's, I mean, it, it's good to have a club like that back in a way, I suppose, isn't it? But I mean, they were an incredible statistical quirk with Halmstad. I, I looked and there was something like fifth in like expected goals for the season. They were high, quite high up on expected points. Maybe they were just unlucky they didn't score so many. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, and, you know, Kroon's goal was really well taken. Um, you know, he's, a, he's he's had a decent season. He's had some injuries, but he, he had a decent season. And, and, but but the goals that... Um, the goals that Hamza conceded were just really sloppy. You know, you don't expect it from them this season. And I think I think that's where it, the disappointment comes for them. It's just the fact that they've been so good defensively that you would have thought, especially after seeing out the first leg away from home, you know, you would have thought they'll, um, at home, they'll, they'll be able to keep solid. But they just, they really had like a brain freeze, a brain fart or something like that in this, in the, you know, in this game in terms of defensively. Because the first goal is awful. It's like a massive goalkeeper mix up between the defence. He comes out, they all make a mess of it and, you know, and it goes in, Lopez scored. Um, the third, the third goal as well is like I said, it's a Stephen Gerrard moment. Kyle Yaline and just gets on the end of it. He's came on as a sub, and really this was a game of two coaches. You know, um, what one of the goal scorers comes off the bench and scores for for Helsingborg. Meanwhile, um, you know, Haglund, Marcus Haglund, the the Hamstad uh, manager, took off took off his goal scorer. He went quite defensive, to be honest. I think, um, you know, brought on a brought on a defender. I mean, he did bring on Mikael Bowman as well, but it was too late by then. You know, I, I feel like they, they should have gone for it a little bit more and they didn't. Um, 
and ultimately they've, they've paid the price. But I, mean, I think the difference here for you is you you know you complain there about Jerv. It's probably the opposite for um, I mean Hamstall are a big club in my opinion. I think they've got a good history, but you know Helsingborg are they 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 are a big club when they when they um, when it was you know full time whistle they their fans went crazy, ran on the pitch, you know, invaded the pitch. It reminded me of when they got relegated four years ago when we, when we first started this podcast, in fact, uh, when I was out in Sweden, because I'll never forget when um, they got relegated and they invaded the pitch and they uh, they tried to rip Jordan Larson's shirt off. It was really, they had some masked fans and stuff and it was really harrowing scenes, to be honest. It was awful. Um, and, they, and they had a lot of their fans in masks ran onto the pitch and I was thinking, all right, what's going to go on here? Um, but they most of them were quite, you know, celebratory mood this time. Um, I don't know what it is with Helsingborg and masked fans in Balaclava. It's like it's a bit of a bit sinister, but um, <laughs> maybe they're just cold or whatever. But yeah, I mean, uh, on this occasion they were happy, so um, it was a bit more of a nice scene. But yeah, goodbye to Hampstead. And uh, I mean, I will miss them because I, I've said it to you off air. I think this season, the teams that I've been most stood out, the teams that have been most, the teams that have stood out to me most this season, have been generally more defensive teams to be honest teams like Halmstad, Mialbi, you know teams like Degafors they're not defensive to be honest they, they, they've got league goals all over the place but I mean the teams that I've most enjoyed the season in the league have been teams with a sort of a, a commitment to a set style you know Degafors had their sort of that 3-4-3 shape and you know we talked about them tactically we did a whole show on it didn't we um, earlier in the season one of the reasons I liked Halmstad is just because they, they just offered something a little bit different to the league you know and um from that point of view, I will miss it. I just enjoyed how ridiculous it was, how many games they had with so few goals conceded. I mean, 14 draws in a 30-game season. But, yeah, ultimately, um, lack of goals has cost them and uh, just couldn't see out the job. You know, their defence would just let them down at the final hurdle. They played 4-4-2 a lot, didn't they? They remind me an awful lot of um, the team in France in Ligue 2, AC Ajaccio. And Ajaccio have only conceded eight goals in the first 19 games this season. I tell you what, I, I actually think four four two is an absolute bastard formation to break down. If you if you operate in it in a rigid way, it really is like two banks of four can be absolutely horrible to penetrate. But I'll say one other thing: I've I've, I've known teams over the years who've operated with a really defensive strategy all year, and in the last sort of quarter of the season or the last fifth of the season, it can sometimes break down because. Oh, it puts a lot, so much pressure on them throughout the whole year that eventually something cracks. Almost felt like Halmstad cracked at the very last hurdle. It's like the Grand National. It didn't even fall the last hurdle. They kind of slipped like that horse did them years ago. I feel a little bit sorry for them. I must say, I, I do because they 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 put a lot into the year. Um, yeah, yeah, don't, don't, like, don't forget, don't forget, they can see the eighty third and eighty eighth minutes. Well, yeah, this is yeah. like literally they've re- like you said they've really cracked like an egg. And just before we move on, Helsingborg, they've been this like this yo-yo team, like the Arlesund of Sweden, like the West Brom of Sweden. I mean, is that going to end, do you think? I mean, very early to say, say that, but they've been this yo-yo, haven't they? Yeah, I've just got I've just got in the background the um Cardinal goal again. I mean, that is that is Steven Gerrard. I mean, it's just the shirts are just inverted. It's a blue shirt and a, a red shirt, but this time it's just the other way around. It's not Denver Bar. It's uh it's you know, it's literally the other way around, it's crazy. Um so yeah, it's a horrible goal to concede. I really feel sorry for Baffert because I thought he's had a, I think he's had a really good season. I think that the whole defense has been really good. Curtis um, obviously is getting his move to Hammerby, so you know he's already moving on. Alamari will probably move on as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you asked me about Helsingborg, are they the West Brom? I mean, Hamstad. You mentioned there about the four-four-two. That Hamstad to me were the Burnley um, of the offense game this season, and, and kind of, but really, really effective in the way. Yeah, they're four-four-two as well, aren't they? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean. I, 
teams I don't like are the teams that are really bad at doing it, if that makes sense. You know, like, what was good about Stoke is they were actually good at what they were doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the teams that are, or Atletico Madrid, for example. It's the teams that try and imitate it but can't pull it off that I'm a bit more critical of, if that makes sense. Teams that are effective at it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Got no problem with. But uh, yeah, Hamstad ultimately hasn't really been too effective, I suppose, by a couple of points. But um, Helsingborg, I think next season they'll be in a lot better place. Uh, Andreas Granqvist, obviously the Swedish, uh, he was the captain at the last World Cup for them. Uh, not this one, just gone, but the one before. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, the last World Cup, sorry. Um, you know, he's a he's a legendary player in that sense. Helsingborg, he's now their sporting director. I think that they've got a lot of decent young talent coming through. I mean, there's a lot of reports that one of their players um, is linked with a move to, uh, surprise, surprise, Belgium already, Kasper Widdell. He's a really decent-looking uh, young player. Um, I think that, you know, they'll have a lot of players leaving the club, but I think I think they've been in a bit of turmoil the last few seasons. A lot of it's been because of bad recruitment, in my opinion. And, and um, I think this time around, I just, get, I just get a sense that they're in a little bit better place. They've got a few more young talents coming through. I imagine Van der Herk will stay. He's been made captain. Um, he's really sort of bought into everything at Helsingborg. He's become a real fan favourite. I think he's got a bit of a point to prove as well in, in Osvenskan. He'll, he'll want to come back because, you know, he's had that season in the wilderness. Will he, it was kind of, will he, won't he leave? He's stuck around and he's fired them back into the league. So, you know, he'll be really, uh, have the bit between his teeth. And when you've got a good striker, obviously, Steve, as you know, it's always uh, an advantage for a team like that. So, yeah, I, I think um, I, I've got high hopes from him. He was joint joint top scorer in the league, by the way, 16 goals. Um, I've got high hopes for the next season. I don't think they'll pull up any trees, but I think they can aim for sort of um, at least well clear of the relegation playoff. Yeah, well, well done to them. Commiserations to, to Halmstad. So, you've had, um, well, a few weeks now, two and a half weeks, three weeks, to sort of digest the, the final Ausfanskin uh, uh, table, the last day title decider. Malmo winning the league on goal difference and uh, just just six points separating the the top five. And what are your, what are your thoughts now, Jonathan? When, when now that just to settle a little bit, how would you rate this Alsvenskan season? I, I, we were talking off air about. I mean, do you think the quality's been sort of gone up, gone down? Um, you know, how much did the, the season excite you? And um, you know, it, it's close in terms of statistics and stuff like that. But you know, did it really get your juices flowing this year? I think from a tactical point of view, I think we've seen a lot more variety in Osvenskan this year, which I've been pleased with. I think you see teams now, you know, we did that, like I said, we did that episode on, on different team shapes. You know, we had the 5-3-2 of teams like Ostersunds. We had, um, you know, the 3-4-3 of Degafors. We, we've had, you know, like we just mentioned, the Halmstead 4-4-2 rugged kind of uh, low block. Uh, you've had, you know, you've got teams like Malmo, of course, are quite fluid and, and, and play different, play, you know, can play in different shapes, can play with different personnel. Um Elsborg, I think, have been quite quite creative in how they've done things this season as well. Uh, Hammerby are always entertaining. So I think we have had, you know, North Shopping have had a new new system under Ricard Norling. I think we do have a bit of excitement in that from that point of view. I would say that obviously you've got Hacken as well with their sort of counter-attack, their, you know, their 4-3-3 and that kind of thing as well. Um, they adapted the style a little bit during the season, but uh, all in all, that's kind of how they play. I think from that point of view, it's been exciting. And of course, when you look at the season, you know, when you look at the league table now and it's, it's two teams level on points, it's just eight goal difference that's, that's done it. It's still quite hard to believe when you when you look at it, really, um, how close the league was, you know, in that sense. And you're going just two points further behind. I just think that, I, I don't know what it is. I just got this nigg- I've just got this nagging sort of dissatisfaction with the league. I, I, I don't know why, really, um, overall. I, I just got a feeling that, 
I think my my sort of takeaway from it all, as you said, we had a bit of time to think about it and we spoke before we came on air. I think my kind of overriding conclusion with this season is is that the teams that I've enjoyed have been quite a few of the teams that were lower down the table. And I just feel that the teams at the top, they're okay, but they're kind of, they don't really get me off my seat. You know, I think we can talk about them and, and praise a lot of them. But I think when you look at it, Malmo, probably Champions League affected them, you know, as Thomason said. You know, and maybe to distracted them a little bit in the running, um, being in the Champions League group stages, and maybe that's affected their form. Because I, I don't think there's kind of a sense that they won it, but were they worthy champions? I'm, I'm, Malmo fans will say they are, and of course, ultimately they are. You know, you can't knock them. And I, I would never, I'm not going to do an Arsene Wenger and say, oh, no, even when you finish second, you still claim you're the best team. Which I, you know, I really hated that when he used to do that um, at Arsenal because uh, I think it's bad sportsmanship. But you know, so Malmo, I think they're the best team, but. I still feel that they weren't amazing champions this season. I don't think I don't think they're going to go down as, as great champions. I think they kind of got away with it a little bit, and I think they partly got away with it because there just wasn't anyone else who could get the job done. You know, I think AIK. Um, you know, we'll talk about them later. I've got a huge praise for what they've done this season, um, but I don't, just don't think they were ready for a title challenge this year. I think they were just a few pieces short, which 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 told in the end, and I think they've overachieved. I think Eurogarden did have the pieces, but have, have flattered to deceive. I think they've had a an okay year, but I think losing seven games, I, I, I don't think that's, um, I think they've, I don't think they had a great season, if I'm honest. You, gotten, although they've come so close to winning the title, I think, um, I mean, last season they lost 10 games, but, you know, if you look at, even if you just look at the table, you know, Elsborg last season lost three games, Hacken lost five games, uh, you know, and, and, and it meant that Malmö had to be on their toes. This season, AOK have lost seven games, Jurgen lost seven games, Elsborg lost nine games. So it just shows you that the level's probably slightly, it's been a bit easier for Malmö this season. And um, the teams that, like I say, the teams that have excited me this year have been probably a little bit lower down. Like Mialbi, I thought, went on an amazing run, nearly nearly broke the Osvenskan record for clean sheets. Um, you know, you, we, we talked about obviously Hamster had their defensive record. You know, Degafors at some at, at periods of time were quite exciting to watch. Um, Varberg at times were quite interesting to watch. Hacken obviously were, were quite poor, but still had some of the best players in the league, in my opinion. So, and, and, and also the other thing I'd say is that Usually this league is really good for young talents, but I felt that this season a lot of the young talents were either not quite at their best or a bit emerging, but it's too soon for them, if that makes sense. We lost yeah. quite a few of the best young talents, like Bergman Johansson, uh, gone to FC Copenhagen. Um, and I felt like a lot of the players that would excite me in, in past years have kind of left the league now. And, and I mentioned they're players that may be who you'd expected to do really well, like Akin Kumi Amu, for example, at uh, Hammerby wasn't quite at the level that I would maybe have liked. So I think all in all, the individual player quality hasn't been as good maybe this season. Um, and in, and also all-round team quality hasn't been quite as good at the top. So maybe you could have liked to have seen a team like Elsborg win a league or something like that. You know what I mean? It may, may, be, it may be a surprise. Could have This was a chance, I think, for a surprise. Yeah. I'm not sure they'll get too many more chances for a surprise in years to come. Because Malmo, with all that Champions League money, I only imagine they'll be stronger next year. Yeah, I, I've said, I think I've said before, I, I didn't want Mamo to win the league as a neutral looking on, nothing against them. But I feel like next year, maybe the year, the years to come, they really could dominate. So this is a good chance for someone to get one on the board. It would be really nice to see Elsborg win it, I must say. I would love to have seen that, someone different. But, you know, yeah, maybe just... We, we, we sometimes get years like that there, Jonathan. I had this with Norway, I think it was about three years ago. Maybe one one more back, and I remember in the end of season review, 
you know, I was quite despondent and it can happen every now and then. I'm not, you don't sound that despondent or anything. It's just one of those sort of years, which is like a bit me, you know what I mean? A bit meh. Okay. But you know, ticking in there, but um, I'll tell you one thing that might perk you up here, your team of the season, because you, you do, you do love a good team of the season, don't you? Yeah. And you talk about Elsborg, you know, for a few years, we barely even mentioned them, didn't we? But mm. you know, they kept, that's the kind of just, like I said, that nagging feeling that came so, every team at the top came so close. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Elfsborg lost three games in September to Ostersunds, Malmo and Mialby. I mean, Mialby battered them 4-0. You know, if they'd taken just four points even from, well, okay, let's say if they'd taken six points against Ostersunds and Mialby, they'd be champions. You know, Jurgaard and that Varberg game, they'd have, they'd have won the league if they hadn't lost that game to Varberg, yeah. the second last game of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were so many occasions for these teams to to, to win it and they, and they just didn't. You know, again, Halmstad losing in November to, um, to uh, sorry, ARK losing to Halmstad away in November again. And even the game that won Mamma the title against ARK, the sort of title deciding game, ultimately, it was kind of a one nil, wasn't an amazing game. It was just very narrow margins and Mamma just got kind of got the job done. So I feel like ultimately the, the rumours about Kieto Knutsen to Malmo summed up the feeling around Malmo. I think that it probably wasn't the greatest of seasons, even internally, they probably recognise that. And I think they'll look to strengthen again, but team of the season. I shall read you my team of the season. I've gone for in goal. Carl Johan Eriksson of Mielby. I've got a right back. Uh, the boy, well, well, not boy, he's a man. Larson at Elfsborg. Um, he is in my team of the season. He's uh, had a good season at right back, so I think I, I've decided to to get him involved. Um, so, yeah, he's in there. He's not, not a shame he wasn't in your fantasy team that much this year. I know. Unfortunately, he's the man that cost me probably the the <laughs> mini league between me and you. Ultimately, is thirty one year old Johan Larsson. Uh, centre back Hjalmar Ekdal at uh, your garden. His partner will be Anil Armhodzic at Malmo. Uh, left back Eric Otieno of AIK. I've gone for three men in centre midfield. I've gone for Magnus Eriksson at Diff. Uh, I've gone for Seb Larsson AIK. I've gone for Patrick Wallermark at Beko Hacken. And then I've got three strikers. I'm going to play three forwards in this one. I know you've gone for a four, two, four. I'm going for three sort of fluid forwards. I've gone for Antonio Cholak at Malmo. I'm going to Victor Edvardson at Degafors and Samuel Adebenro at Norshopping. So a bit of a mix in terms of players. I tried to have no more than one or two max at each team. And um, a bit of a blend in terms of, uh, yeah, positionally as well, a bit of rotation there, three forwards. Uh, I think the balance is okay of the team. Um, there's one or two you could maybe question, but ultimately I'm, I'm quite happy with that team. I know, it looks a good team. I do like that team. Uh, no 12th man with you, of course. Um, but uh, let's 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 delve into it. And um, I'm going to start with the back line. We'll, we'll, we'll save the keeper for now. But I do know in the in the latest football manager game, one of the sort of big tips is uh, for signing cheap young talent is straight in there, get into. I'm a, I'm a Hodzic at Malmo. He, he, he's available on the cheap, I think. Um, but he's a good, really good player, isn't he? And he's had a, he's had a top season um, for Malmo at the back there. Um, definitely one of the better players. Yeah, I think I, I've seen a few people say that as well, actually. Um, I, th- I think there's rumours he's leaving and a lot of people said that's bad news for their, <laughs> their football manager team um, if he gets taken out of the game or whatever. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think pound for pound, he's the best defender in the league. Uh, I think his market value now is is risen hugely. I think he's now, I mean, he, 
I think he was in my team of the season last year as well. I'll have to go back and check that. But I'm um, pretty sure he made our, our Y-Scout combined team of the season. And I think ultimately he, he deserves to, to be in it, in it um, this season again, just because he's mm. kept that level of consistency. Uh, probably almost gone to another level, I think. Um, in terms of defenders, he's probably among the best. I think he's a really good passing defender. Brings the ball out from the back very well, very calm in possession. Um, can also do the you know the dirty side of it. He's got a bit of needle about him. Obviously, uh, Robin Astahead had some comments about him. A real winner, he said in, in the our, um, interview with him a couple about a month or so ago, three weeks, four weeks ago. Described him as a real winner. He worked with him um, at Foot Mama's youth teams when he was a youth coach at Mama, um, and really praised his mentality, his spirit, his, his, his desire to win, that kind of thing. And I think that he's fitted into Mama very well in that sense. Um, yeah, and I think the thing that really stands out is, is like I say, is his is passing, 90% pass, pass accuracy, you know, 50, 56 passes per 90, according to Scout. majority of them forward passes as well. Um, you know, 80% forward pass accuracy, which is, which is decent. I think that's better than a lot of people um, in the league. Uh, so, yeah, all, all in all, um, he's a he's a top, top defender. And I think this will be the last we'll, we'll see of him. I think I think there's been talk that he may stay till the summer at latest, but I, I, I don't see it, to be honest. Been strongly linked with Atalanta. Uh, Brentford as well now coming in, apparently, as well. I don't know the latest on that, but... Um, you know, we'll talk about transfers another day, but Brentford would be a, probably a decent decent move for him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's always in the, in, the, in the conversation when it comes down to really good defenders. Um, your, your other uh, centre back, you've gone with uh, Yalmar Ekdal. I just wondered, actually, Jonathan, because in the past you have often gone with three centre backs in this team this season in, in Sweden. How close were you to, uh, to going with three centre backs uh, this year? Were there many other contenders? I think there's two two at AIK I could have had. I could have uh, taken Satirius Papadopoulos, and I could have taken um, Alexander Milosevic as well. I think I think that collectively they've been really good. But I'm going to represent AIK through Eric Otieno, who I think has been a fantastic left back. Um, the Kenyan, I think he's got a real big future. Actually, I think he's a I think he's he's a player. We have to have a Kenyan in the team every year, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's becoming a trend. It's a, it's a decent market. Uh, East Africa is a good market. Well, Gambian in the Norwegian team of the year. Kenyan. Uh, there's talent. There's a lot of talent there in that African. Yeah, I mean, he's 25. He can go on. I think he's, um, you know, really good. Gets up and down the pitch. Strong in the tackle. Uh, intelligent player as well. You know, he's, he's quite tactically astute. Um, I, I, re- I think he's a really good player. Um, and, yeah, as I say, I think East, East, East Africa is a, a decent market for Sweden. Maybe more clubs should look at teams like, you know, countries like Uganda, Kenya, um, I think there's talent there, as you said. Um, but I decided not to go for three at the back just because I didn't really see who I'd leave out in the in the midfield and forwards. There's a lot of midfielders I could have picked, to be honest. Um, probably got the main forwards, but I think uh, yeah, I think all in all, in terms of balance, this was this is my choice this time. Ekdal's a, a a top player. I think he's a very good. I think he's been a very good signing for Diff. Um, He's got he weighed in with his fair share of goals as well from from defensive situations. He, you know he's decent, and uh, I, you know I think he's got a I think he's got a good future. He's he settled in there well. You know you're going to have always had some decent centre backs and, and defenders over the years, um, and I think Ekdal you know he's only 23, and he can definitely definitely improve. I think his pass accuracy again is 90, percent um, and I think he's developed into a, a very very comfortable uh, centre back at this level. I must say, I was, I've been impressed with Ossiano as well, from what I've seen of him. A really good lad. He, um, I don't know why. I, I should have had him in my fantasy team. 
I had the Greek, is it the Greek lad, Papa, Papa, whatever you call him. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, so I, I had my IOK defender, but I should have had Otieno because he racked up more points. And he came up with a lot of assists, I think, this year as well. Uh, real engine on that on, on the left side. Really, I have to say, yeah, that, that's a great pick, actually, um, there, I must say. So, um, I mean, we'll round off this this back line with Johan Larsson. Uh, again, I mean, this is, uh, I'm guessing a lot of the reason here is because of his um, assist ability from set pieces. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm not a massive fan of him just because of he's, he's cost me my AL Spence going to win against you, which I always wanted him in my team, but I just always felt like eventually, surely his form is going to tail off. But he just kept up such a level of consistency that eventually I had to, I had to get him in there, and it was probably I got him in too late. To be honest, I got him in two couple of I got him in at least three, four, five rounds too late. Um, to my to my demise ultimately in Osvenskan fantasy, which I'm still hurting over. But yeah, he's um he was in my team of the season last season, I think yeah, certainly in the uh, combined Y Scout blog because he came back to um Sweden, obviously had spell abroad, been a top player at Elfsborg, um just missed his consistency. He gets forward, he gets goals, he gets assists. He's a solid right-back presence. Um, does the job defensively. Just exactly what you need at this level. No no questions about him. Professional. Just an all-round very, very good player at this level. It's probably too good for Osvenskan, to be honest, even though he's in his 30s. And it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, he's got to be in there. Play for Gangon in France in the 18-19 season. He only made four appearances from that. I don't actually know what went wrong for him there at Gangon. But um, he is Mr. He is, he's, in a way, he's quite a boring player, isn't he? I have to agree with you a little bit. He's sort of Mr. Consistent, gets the job done. I mean, last he didn't he didn't get anywhere near his 12 assists of 2020, but, um, you know, he chips in uh, all over the place, doesn't he? So, Johan Larson actually right back in the team. Now we will go to the goalkeeper. I do love a goalkeeper uh, conversation, Jonathan. And, um, I mean, you have kind of mentioned him before when we talked about Mialbi, but Carl Johan Eriksson as uh, as uh, looks like an interesting pick you've not gone for a keeper from one of the really big teams yeah well he won a, he won a quite a few awards actually i think he was named um i think he was named keeper of the season and of course came so close to breaking the old spence game record which um if you listen to our uh, our episode with anders torsenson which was one of my favorite shows of the season i have to say um with the manager of Mialbi, um who, who sort of came in and turned their season round he, he 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 talks about the goalkeeper and he talks about other players in that in that team and um you know they came as i say they came so close to breaking the Allsvenskan record for, for for clean sheets in a row and and a big part of that was uh, Carl Johan Eriksson his um his 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 performances were brilliant his save percentage i mean i nearly went for Hamstad's goalkeeper actually uh, i considered it strongly um but i just decided in the end that uh, the save percentage was much better um so I had to get him in there really ultimately so yeah that was it so you know he, he um had a really good save percentage Carl and Eriksson his XG against per 90 was was decent as well and I just think that he, he you know kept so many clean sheets 13 clean sheets I mean that's that's crazy uh and 82 percent as I say save percentage uh was comfortably I think the best in the league so ultimately you know what do you think his biggest strength as a keeper? <laughs> Just shot stopping. I mean, he's all right. He's just, he just, I mean, he saves a lot of shots. Yeah. They, they face, they face more shots than um, the Hamstack keeper, which is probably why in the end I didn't quite go for uh, Malcolm Nielsen's save because who, who could have been in there to be honest. He had a really good season himself as well. 
But uh, shots against per 90 for Carl, you know, and Ericsson 3.76 per 90. Um, Nielsen 3.41. So, you know, he's had a lot more saves to make. He's kept a lot more clean sheets. His save percentage is much higher. It's the best in the league, as I said. Um, others, the top three in terms of save percentage, by the way, were um, Jurgen's keeper, Vasiutin, and uh, Johan Darlin. Sorry, not Johan. Uh, yeah, Johan Darlin, sorry, at Malmö. So they were the top three in terms of save percentage. Yanosovic uh, in fourth, and then Nilsson Sejkis in fifth. But ultimately, Eriksson just did it all. You know, he, he faced way, way, way more shots. Uh, 80 shots he faced compared to, say, Vasiutin, 26 shots, Darlin's 64 shots. And his clean sheet numbers, uh, you know, he nearly came, as I said, to breaking the Oswinskin record. So a very good keeper. He reminds me a bit of Oscar Janssen, who, you know, you'll remember last season, he had such a great season at Orebro and then, um, you know, went to North Shopping, got himself a move. Ericsson's a similar kind of, um, you know, he's 26. He's had a decent career so far. And I just get the feeling that, you know, if Miyabi did want to cash in, then maybe he could, maybe he could even move to a sort of slightly bigger club. So, yeah, he had a really, really good year. Let's move to the midfield. You've got a, a trio in centre midfield. Uh, Magnus Eriksson, Seb Larsson, and probably the, the more interesting of the three, Patrick Volomark, who um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners would be interested to uh, hear thoughts about Volomark. It was a very disappointing season for Hecken, um, who finished down in 12th, I do believe. Uh, you predicted him as high as uh, second, actually, Jonathan. So a bit of a flop there, Hecken. But Volomark has been the sort of shining light in this team, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been sensational. And um, I mean, we had a Wise Scout blog about him uh, that came out in uh, in, this, in November. So if you want, you can go back and, and, and read that. It was a decent read and I quite enjoyed putting it together, actually watching him. I described him in the um, article as sort of our Svenskan's answer to Arjen Robin, um, just in the way that he he's not as quick, but, you know, cutting into it on, on onto his left foot. He can play in central midfield, so that's why I put him there, but probably more of a right winger, really, cutting onto his left foot. Uh, 29 games played six assists, uh, you know, scored a number of goals as well. Um, just became like a bit of a clutch player, really. He, he didn't have, have the best of starts to the season, but he just suddenly just came out of nowhere. You know, 0.39 goals per 90, um, shots per 90, 2.66. He just loved to cut in, scored some absolute bangers against North Shopping and uh, I think in the um, in the Gothenburg derby as well against EFK uh, Jotterburg sort of cutting in from the right-hand side, beating a man, cutting in and just smashing it with the left foot, you know, just our own, typical Iron Robin style. Um, bit more sort of, a, I said, he's a bit more Ozil-like, if that makes sense, in terms of the way he dribbles. He's not like a speedster, um, but he's a, he's a very, very good player. He's only 20 and he's definitely going to have a big career. I'm not sure how long he will see him in offense again because, um, I mean, he said he's very calm about it. He said he's happy to stay at Hacken at least till the summer. So I think he's very settled. He's still very young. You know, he came from the third tier. Uh, fitting, so you know he's, 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 his rise has really been quite rapid. Um, had quite a long spell out with injury as well. So the fact that he came back and and um, it's been so sort of consistently good is a real testament to him. So yeah, no, he, he definitely deserves his place. Well, Mark, probably you know I mentioned about young players maybe not excelling in the way I'd have liked. For me, he was probably the best young player of the season in that sense, and uh, he was the one that you could guarantee that you would enjoy watching if that makes sense. Players like Amu, for example, as I mentioned, a few others, they were a bit. They were a bit more inconsistent, if that makes sense. You know, they were good at times, but didn't quite turn on. Benny Troyore was a good example. He was in my in my tent to watch. At times, he was really exciting. You know, he's only young as well, first season in the league. But Wallabout was the one who really stepped up this season. So uh, he's in it for me. And then the two others, um, Ericsson, simply just because he's the best assist provider in the league. Um, there were games where he was really, really good. Like there was one derby where he really stood out. But there was also games where he went missing a little bit, I think, at times. So... 
Um, but ultimately, he, he does deserve to be in there. Um, you know, 13 assists is an incredible record for the 31-year-old. And then I've got Seb Larson just because I felt that AIK, whenever he didn't play, they were just markably, they, they missed him a lot. And um, I think his leadership, I think in, in big games, he could always be relied on. His set-piece delivery is still a, a real weapon. And, and I just think um, at 36 to still be doing that, I mean, you talked about Alex Tete, you know, at, uh, at Rosenborg, maybe not performing. For, for Larson to still be getting seven assists, yeah. um, you know, 8.35 expected <laughs> assists total, um, to still be so creative, I think is a real testament to him. So that's why he's in it. Yeah, two old dogs there um, in that midfield. Uh, you've gone with a, an attacking trio, Antonio Cholak, Victor Advarsen and Samuel Adegbenra. I'm delighted to see Samuel in, in this team because for many years, you know, I've been a big fan of him, um, but injury or something just seemed to cost him at Rosenborg all the time. I'm starting to think that it's kind of a Rosenborg thing, the injuries, by the way. So many players ruled out this year. Samuel goes to Norshaping and he pretty much plays injury-free. So... Make what you want of that, but um, let's start with with the Nigerian who uh, had a cracking year, didn't he, for, for Norshipping, the uh, Golden Boots winner, and uh, I mean, what a, an absolute revelation he's been. Well, he's definitely the, probably the best signing of the season. I mean, I got, they got him from an absolute bargain. I don't know what Rosenberg were doing. I think I think it was a hundred grand. They, they thought he was probably done physically, but he obviously wasn't. Well, he's played thirty games this season, two thousand four hundred ninety nine minutes, so he's comfortably. Uh, you know, he, he's proven himself there from a physical point of view because, he, you know, he can't, couldn't do much more. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You know, 26 years old, it was really good. You know, I remember, I still remember that Ajax game uh, for Rosenborg when he, he was... Was it for Rosenborg? Yeah, that was what, what, like, what a memorable game that was. I mean, that was incredible, his yeah. performance. I still yeah. haven't forgotten that. Um, and I always I thought he would go on and, and move abroad and be a big player maybe in maybe the Netherlands or somewhere. And maybe he can still do that because at 26, you know, he's still got life in him. He's proven it this year. Bargain of the summer. They could easily sell him for 10, maybe 20, 30 times more than what they've paid for him. Uh, 17 goals, XG 10.58. So he's overperformed his XG by some distance. But um, yeah, real... I'd say he's too good for this level. I think he actually arrived as too good for Svenskan. So I don't know what's gone on in Norway, but, um, you know, that, that sometimes... And I talk about this with, uh, obviously, the team I follow, Manchester United, a bit where... You know, you know, you know, he reminds me of kind of. I get this feeling with Anthony Martial. You know, there's a lot of talk about Martial. Sorry to digress a bit, but I get the feeling that Martial will leave Man United and, and become like a 20 goal season. It's a bit like what happened with Lukaku, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. players at certain clubs, sometimes it tells you more about the club than it does about the player. Mm. And maybe that's the situation at Rosenborg. I don't Definitely. know. I yeah. don't know the ins and outs of it, but um, he's done. You know, they've managed to get a tune out of him at North Shopping. Ricard Norling's really turned him into the the key man, and he's been brilliant. So, uh, yeah, definitely deserves his place. The one forward that I probably need to mention that was marginal to get into this team that didn't is Christian Kawaku. Now, I could easily have put him in the team. He's the 12th man then. He's the 12th man probably, yeah, because he's... Um, I think he went through a lot when he was at EF Koyotobor. He got a lot of racist abuse, actually, by the way. Uh, it's a bit of a... Sh uh, not a great story. He didn't have a great time there. And he moved to Sirius. In fact, the Iokoyotobog fans put up a banner when they played Sirius uh, saying, I'm re we're really sorry we didn't stand by you. And basically apologising um, for not backing him more when he got, went through that torrid time because he, he was a bit of a sort of a, a fall guy at EFCO and got a lot of abuse and things like that. I had to go through some personal issues in that sense. And um, you know, he, he gave an interview about it saying his family was affected and you know his mum was really badly affected, I think, by it. 
and the EFCOR fans put up a banner sort of apologising. He went to the fans at the end of the, when they played serious and sort of clapped them and things. Like that. And it was quite quite a nice moment. But you know, sometimes you think, well, where were they at the time? But but obviously, he his actual XG. I think he's actually more in line with his XG than Cholak. So Cholak's 17.46 XG, 14 goals, and Kouaku 13.3 XG, 12 goals. So Cholak's in the team just because I think being the main striker for the title winners, also he got probably added bonus points just because of how good he was in Europe. I think, I think in getting them to the Champions League group stages, he was sensational. His finishing at times was remarkable. He's also scored what I would say were the most pivotal goals of the season. Um, including the 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 last minute or late winner at Sirius, in, the, in fact, to uh, win the game there. They came back from uh, 2-1 down. Cholak scored two um, with 15 minutes to go. And basically that won on the title. Uh, so, you know, I think that he just edges it for that reason. He did go a little bit missing towards the end of the season, but um, maybe that's fatigue related. You know, they had a, a tough schedule, Malmö. Uh, a lot of travelling and that with the Champions League. So you could make a case for Kouaku in terms of just raw clinical finishing um but i think i've got to give it a try like, just in terms of how he how he's all-round performance and then obviously edvardson um he's got two more goals than kawaku is 14 goals his xg is actually 9.34 um so you know he's really he's outperformed xg quite a lot uh 25 year old at Degafors, and without them he'd without him they'd be down so you know he's basically saved their season so uh big rumors that he's going to be going to a big or fencing club in, in the summer maybe um sorry in this winter maybe AIK teams like that looking at him so uh really good season for Edvardson so those I, did, I did I did notice I was looking through uh XG strikers in our Svenskan and several of them barring like Samuel and uh Edvardson had a bit of sort of Patrick Bamforditis or Doda Bamberitis mm. where they were really quite significantly below their XG like a lot more goals should have been scored by strikers in, in the Svenskan this year there must have been some really big misses at times. They really must. Um, I mean, you've got, I'll tell you what, you'd have got big odds, wouldn't you, start of the season of a Degaforce player being in your team of the season, John. I mean, what if I'd said to, that to you at the start of the year, you'd have said, no way. You're uh, you're pulling my leg here. So, Ed Varson has done really, really well. Um, that's the team of, of the year for Jonathan, for Doug with the I'm going to coach of the season now. Uh, take us through your top three. Yeah, and by the way, uh, you mentioned Degafors. I had them pretty. I predicted them to get relegated, but I do want to just give a shout out because you're going to claim if you're going to claim the Osvenskan fantasy crown, I've got to claim my preseason predictions of the table. I've actually got five, four places, five places right, bang on. Malmo to win the league. I've got Eurogarden in third. I've got Elfsborg in fourth. Uh, I've got Sirius in eleventh, uh, and I've got Halmstad in fourteenth. So I'm very, very happy about my season predictions. So. Um, yeah, in terms of ten to watch, I was all right. You know, Wilhelmsen, I think, had a good season, came through towards the end of the season. So I'm happy that I got the timing of that right, although I do think next season he'll have a better year. Uh, Chilufia had a decent year. You know, I think he's done well enough. Watara Mohamed is probably going to be leaving, so I think that's timing's right there as well. He's with a big move. Did well in uh, Hammerby, played, can play in defence or midfield. Uh, Blair Turg had a good season as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm pretty happy in my pre-season. I mean, Saar was a good one. He, he was really good on loan at Mialby. Yeah, good, really good. He didn't get into that Malmo's team, which I think he actually should have because I think he's um, good enough. But he looks good. I like him. I think next season he could maybe have an impact there. But yeah, really good at Malmo. Almost saved their season. But yeah, if you look at, um, as you mentioned, coach of the year. Uh, drum roll, please. My top three is... 
in third place, bronze medal. I am awarding it to Anders Torstensen of oh. Mialbi. Now, how has he not got gold? <laughs> I know you're a big fan of his, and I hope if you're listening to this, Anders, uh, thank you again for coming on the show because you really, I really enjoyed that interview with you, and I think you, uh, hopefully, you enjoyed it too. But this is a man who has had many hats. He's been in the military. He's been a teacher. Been a principal. And he basically came out of retirement from the golf course to take over Mialbi mid-season after a catastrophic run of form where, you know, you rewind your memory back to July, Steve. They were they were done and dusted, to be honest, Mialbi. You felt like they were just sinking like a stone out of this division. You know, five straight defeats. Uh, really looked like they couldn't buy a win. And, you know, Mr. Torstensen came in, you know, the principal, and brought in his military style and, and, and that rugged defensive solidity. And one of the things he said in that interview that I haven't forgotten is, we have to be the best in the league at the small margins and the little things. And uh, he really did bring that meticulous detail to his team. They went on an incredible run of clean sheets, nearly, like I said, broke the all-Svenskan record. I mean, I'm talking all-Svenskan all-time record for a team like Mialbi. You know, they beat Elfsborg 4-0. They went to Hacken and got a 0-0. They drew 0 with Hampstead. They drew 0-0 with AIK. I mean, uh, again, I mentioned to you, Steve, in terms of the, the teams that impressed me most this season has been the defensive teams, really, in a way. Uh, that run of clean sheets was just incredible. Missed out by, like, 20 minutes, I think it was, in the end, on the Elfsborg record against EF Core, unfortunately. Um, I think that was a week after he came on the show as well. So, um, unfortunately, we may have jinxed it. But... Um, either way it's an incredible run and the fact that he's kept them up and is now going back to his role as a school principal i mean you, you could almost make a sort of a you could almost make a film out of it and i don't know who play him i mean might not be the correct time for denzel washington but you know you, you know when a sort of american you know, feel good stories kind of thing like the, you could it would be called that the, the, the principal or something like that you know the coach and it's about a sort of a, a teacher who comes in and turns the team around with his 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 values and his, his sort of a meticulous uh, military precision so it was a really good it was a great I think it was, I thought it was a really good feel good story to be honest uh, in general mm. and he's just a really nice guy the interview we arranged was really done just so well wasn't it we arranged it one day and the next day it was done um, so he is my bronze medalist getting Miyabi to ninth is a massive achievement I mean last season you know they did finish even higher than that but uh, I think getting them from where they were to ninth is a really good achievement so he's third uh, in second place, I am going for Henrik Reedstrom. Now, I'm just going to read out a few stats here, and I, I think hopefully if Oscar uh, Wasson is listening, um, you'll enjoy this because any Calma fan will enjoy this stat. This is the basically the reason that I've get, I've chosen Henrik Reedstrom in second. Um, Calma in 2020, 320 passes per match, second bottom of the league that is, and. Uh, and also 42% possession, which was bottom of all Svenskan. Kalmar 2021, 562 passes per match, top of the league, and 56.7% possession, third in the league. To me, that is an unbelievable turnaround. To turn that, that round from second, bottom and bottom to first and third for passes and possession, that to me is a coach who knows what he's doing uh, with relatively future i mean okay they had some transfers but relatively little spent you know not not just a little bit of wheeling and dealing but not not not, not a hugely different squad um you know a serious he he was the best team in the league for possession so to come in and implement that style in one season and take that team from relegation playoffs to uh to sixth 
is an unbelievable effort, I think. And, and I mean, yeah. You know, it reminds it almost reminds me of when we moved at Leeds from Heckingbottom to Bielsen. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like that, isn't it? Or, I mean, in terms of, it's like going from like Sean Dyche to not Guardiola, not quite Guardiola, but uh, you know, a strong possession based coach in, in, in one season. Fair, fair dudes, fair dudes. I mean, that's elite. Co- that's elite coaching. I mean, we haven't had a reason on the podcast. I'd like to get him on. Um, I mean, he does tend to fall out with players at times. So I, I wonder about the sustainability of it. Obviously, he left serious. So we'll see you next season. I think will be the will be the real test of is he actually an elite manager all round. But in terms of just pure raw coaching, that's that's elite coaching in my opinion. You, that 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 turnaround. That, there's no fluke in that. That's that's just top coaching um, to turn players from sort of a really low possession team who can't keep the ball and nearly get relegated to the best possession team in in the division. I mean, that is, well, the third best, third best, but I mean, the best passing team in the league, most passes in the league per game. So brilliant coaching there. And uh, first place, this might be a bit controversial, actually. So uh, you did do the drum roll, but yeah. First place, I've gone for Bartos Grezelak at AIK. Now, <laughs> Mamo fans are going to be pretty mad at me, I think. <laughs> But ultimately, I'm just going to read you their finish last season. I mean, AIK last season finished ninth, you know. So this season, to finish second, joint top on goal difference with the title winners, to me, that's the, the two teams that have improved their teams most are Bartos Grezlak and Henrik Riestrom. You know, Kalmar actually have climbed the most places. They've gone from 14th to 6th. But uh, to go from ninth to second for me, and let's not forget as well, mid-season when he came in, Grezelak, AIK were done and dust. I mean, they were heading; they probably were heading for relegation playoffs. They they were that bad. Uh, everything had just gone to pot under Norling. It was falling apart. He turned it around, managed to steady the ship to get them ninth. And I think this season he's take it on, taking it on one further. They've done some smart recruitment. I think they brought in some decent players, but I don't think they went heavy on. I didn't think they went over the top in recruitment. You know, my preseason prediction for them was I, I didn't think they'd do too much, to be honest. I thought they'd be, um, I thought this would be a year too soon for them. So to get a title race out of this team, I think is a massive testament to them. And I, I actually really think that I don't think he even got a mention in the Osvenskan official uh, Coach of the Year awards, which I think was really quite harsh. So um, he takes it for me because to go level on points with the best team in the league, uh, I think that's a massive uh, achievement. And I think next season, they are okay under, under him can look to maybe potentially win the title. No place for Yondar Thomason uh, on that list. He did win it last year, though. You did give him coach of the season last season. Jimmy Telling was second and Marcus Lunt's third, um, just for reference there. So um, that's coach of the season, uh, that flop of the year last year. I mean, yeah, just on Thomason, just my reasons are that, um, if anyone's wondering, of course, I think he, he would be fourth. So uh, there's that. <laughs> Maybe level with Jimmy Telling. <laughs> But you know he's won the league and it's a massive achievement. Don't get me wrong; I'm not I'm not knocking him in any way. But I just think you're asking me for coach of the year, and ultimately I think those three have got more of a tune out of their players than Thomason this year. Malmo's squad is incredible. At the end of the day, they got yeah. players for days. They, they they and they strengthened really a lot in the summer as well. Pe- players like Pena, you know, they have got Berman Savic. They got they've got a lot of good players. I think Malmo. So I just think that to win it on to scrape it on goal difference. And don't forget last even last day of the season they couldn't even beat Hamster. You know, that's quite disappointing in my opinion. I mean, what if, what if they'd needed to win that game? That that would have been an almighty failure. So, yeah. um, you know, ultimately, I think I think the Champions League was a mitigating circumstance, but I just think there's one too many uh, poor results in that in that running. Um, so, 
best team in the league, yes, but best performing manager of the season, I just don't don't think so this time. I think you, it's fair. You know, you've explained yourself really well there, uh, John. So, uh, uh, flop of the year then. Last uh, season, it was Paulinho was your flop of the year. Um, what happened? Where, where did it? What happened to him this year? Did he do much? Anyway, he's still at Amaby. Yeah, yeah, he did better, didn't he? We well, couldn't do any worse, in fairness, could he? <laughs> but um, right, your flop of the year, player and club. Flop of the year, I've gone for Marek Hamzik, uh, just because of all the fanfare, and he he basically used EFK Jotterborg, a massive institution of Swedish football, as a, as a gym, <laughs> and uh, just basically used it as his private gym on a lot of money got himself fit and went off to the Euros and then left to, to Turkey. So I, th- I felt like, I mean, fair play to him and his agent in terms of, you know, <laughs> in terms of what he did. Um, but I felt I felt like he, in a way, probably used it, of course, a little bit. I think they got used. And it was it, it brought me back to some comments from uh, other clubs, actually. I think it was, I can't remember which sporting director it was. I think it might have been Hammerby's sporting director said that when the negoti- when Hamzit became available and made it known he would consider Sweden, he said that they didn't go for him because they felt like he would, he was just going to be there for like a part-time thing and then move off. And ultimately those words came back true because, you know, I, th- I don't think he had ever, ever any intention of staying. And he kind of tried to say, oh, well, we'll see. But honestly, I don't think he had any intention of staying at EFCOR. Didn't do too much. You know, they didn't have a great season. And although he did score one incredible goal, and in terms of football, he's still a top player, you know. But I just, I just felt like there was so much fanfare about it. I mean, we were getting emails from people internationally asking us about him. Um just all the fanfare around it ultimately wasn't really justified, was it? It was gone by by the summer. He scored that one really good goal, but that was about it, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. He scored an absolute wonder goal. Mm. He is a very good player, but they lost quite a few of the games he played in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's he was in my ten to watch just as a bonus sort of ten to watch. He was my he was my eleventh man in that ten to watch. Mm. But um, it's not a slight on him, but it's just the, the, the yeah, circumstances yeah. around it, the signing, you know, the age of him. I don't think it really worked out. And by the way, uh, Paulinho somehow did do worse this year, statistically. Um, he went from three goals to one goal. So, um, hmm, the less said about his spell at Hammerby, the better. It's, um, yeah. cl- club flop of the year, and you, you're not going with an Arsvenson team here. Well, I mean, there's quite a few I could go for. I mean, Osterson's had a transfer ban. They were always going to struggle. And I just think it was too much for them. So I'm not going to name them. Ordebro I could easily have named. And I think we haven't really talked about them enough this season. So it is actually a bit of a failure for them to go down. And especially with that points gap, I mean, 14 points behind uh, Hamster. It's a lot, yeah. It's disgraceful, to be honest. Four, four wins out of 30. To be honest, they probably should be there. They probably are my flop of the year, actually. But I, I'm just going for guys because I feel like, to me, it's a big shock in terms of Gothenburg. And I think having a big team like that, as I mentioned on the last show, they you know won a title in the fifties. For them to go out of the Superette and down to thirty is just really, really poor. And I think that's there's already been a lot of ripple effects from that. There a couple of club directors have stepped down. There's going to be a lot of big issues that guys their, their budget's going to go down. That's a real, real blow for them. And I just think that I don't like seeing these big historic clubs uh, really, really falling down the leagues. And to me, that was the, that just felt like the big shock to lose to Dalka at such a much smaller club. Um, to me, that was the biggest surprise of the season in terms of a, a big club. I'm um, just doing really, really badly. But I would say Orebro and uh, and guys tied. Well, right, John. We got you got five more minutes to to wrap things up. In, well, we got five more minutes to wrap things up for the year in uh, the Nordic Football Podcast. So, uh, if you've got anything that you really need to get off your chest, then now is the time. <laughs> 
Uh, to be honest, I don't. I'm done. That's all I've got to say. We're done. Stick a fork in us. Let's in just us. talk about the year in general then as a whole. Get I'd your like Christmas crackers out. <laughs> no, go on, go on. I would like to thank everyone who has supported us in any way. The patrons, um, all you listeners out there, anyone on Twitter that's uh, been interacting with us. Uh, with some great bit of banter going around and stuff. And I really, this has probably, I think, been our most consistent year um, on, on the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, 33 episodes. Uh, big thank you to all the guests as well, of course. That's some great guests. Um, I, there's, I, Anders Torsenson, you mentioned in there, that really stuck out to me. I mean, what, what a man. You know, one of these days I'm going to have like a trip to Sweden and Norway. You know, Sean Console's going to put me through my paces on, a, on a, some sort of training drill. Tom Dent will get me to run a marathon. And, but you know what I want to do? I want to have a round of golf with Anders Torsenson. <laughs> I, I really do. I think it'll be some of the best 18 hours of my life. Yeah, you found you found a kindred, you found like a mental there, like a kindred spirit for life. I think I mean, you, absolute legend. Off camera, you were, you know, just for the listeners, like off camera, Steve was raving about this, uh, and it's you know, in terms of the professionalism that he brought for the to the interview and stuff, it was um, it was quite a sight. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I can't wait to go back to Sweden. Uh, if anyone's listening to this and wants to offer me a role out there and get me out of Boris land. I'm very, very open to it. I'm, 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 I've had enough of all this nonsense uh, with, with, with this, uh, all the things that are going on in this, uh, over here. So yeah, anyone listening, I'm, I'm very open to uh, offers. But I just want to also give a shout out to um, our patrons because uh, won't fully name them obviously out of um, private disclosure reasons. But just going to say massive thank you to Alex, to Team Overs, uh, to Alexander, to Charlotte, and to Jurgen uh, for supporting us uh, for so long um you mentioned their 33 episodes we also had six bonus episodes so um you know i hope we've offered you some value as well and and we really do massively appreciate your support uh we did mention on twitter recently we are going to look next season to maybe potentially um get some people involved to help us with edits from the podcast you know maybe cutting up graphics things like that um just to maybe even improve the product so just for any patrons who are listening or anyone who maybe wants to you know support us on patreon um patreon.com slash nordic football podcast we do reinvest basically the the what you put into it you know if you if you're buying us beers or whatever if you're contributing to it we are we do aim to reinvest and put that back into the show to make it better for you so just as a, a, a disclosure on that that's the reason that we're looking to maybe bring someone in and you know maybe see if we can improve the pod even further because we are always trying to improve aren't we steve we are looking for marginal gains just a bit like your friend that uh, anders yeah, there's um, absolutely. You know, we want to make it as, as good as we can. I, I do want to give a shout out to to Henry as well, um, football in Denmark. Who um, you know, we did a great season preview for Super League. He's just had a great interview with um, A1 Mobile, uh, top lad, and um, nice addition. I did. I didn't do as probably as many interviews this year as you did. I. I think you probably edged me on interviews, but I did have some really good ones like Andrea Alberto. Um, Eric Shona and Tom Dent. Um, that was a really, really good one. So I, I thank anyone who um, I specifically interviewed. Um, you've been great uh, guests. And um, you know what? Um, it's always great being with you as well, my friend, Jonathan. It's, uh, I really feel we've got a good connection going. Yes, my friend. Known you for many years now. So it's always been a pleasure to, to, to know you. I'm very happy we started this podcast together and yeah, Henry, a fantastic summer signing. I think that was so, um, you know, free transfer from Denmark. You know, that's been a, been a good piece of business, I think. So yeah, I hope that as again, the same to listeners, I hope we, we are providing good value on the league 
And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. As I say, we've been we've been really consistent this year. I'm definitely gonna enjoy a well earned break over Christmas and sort of maybe try and come back stronger, Stephen. You better start getting on your Joe spreadsheets, eh? Yeah, there was a couple of uh, lads that were I was going to have as a, a interviewees towards the back end of the season, but my, my ill health got in the way of that. So I'll be hopefully be able to get some a couple of good uh, guests at the start of uh, the year. And uh, I guess for now, all, all I've really got to say is uh, wish you all, you know, as, as the Queen would say, a, a very uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it sounds like she's from uh, Jamaica, I think. <laughs> No, um, yeah, just two other, well, one other final piece of business, by the way. We, we do have a Wisecout blog coming out from Steve on the top talents in Norway. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't um, read the Patrick Wallermark review as well, you know, massive thank you to Wisecout for the support over the, over the season. Um, you know, that we, we've had a good run of blogs as well. So if you go on their actual site, it's the Huddle site, um, you can go back and look at our blogs. We've had a lot of reports on players, uh, teams, tactical systems all that kind of thing so if you do want to have a read over christmas then f- feel free and i think in terms of when we'll be back we are going to take a bit of a break now and sort of have a bit of downtime uh for the christmas period and probably january but i think we'll probably look to come back i mean there's going to be cup games coming up aren't there and that kind of thing um early and there's pre-season camps uh, i think starting january so um we'll have a little break we'll, we'll probably be back i'd say earliest mid-jan so um if you don't hear anything before that we, we might surprise you with one or two uh you know, um, we haven't done a January episode for, I think, three years. Well, there so, you go. So traditionally, but, but, we don't do anything in January, but maybe, I don't know. Let's see. But one thing's for sure, stay tuned, follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. Uh, don't unsubscribe or please don't uh, you know, unfollow the podcast or whatever like that. Just keep keep it tuned because we will be back, but we're going to have a break, a rest. Um, if you have enjoyed the show this year, then please go and leave a review you know, on uh, on iTunes or give us a, a rating. Uh, preferably five stars but all that kind of thing helps with algorithms and metrics and stuff so yeah i think we're done steve and uh, as i say pleasure to be with you for another year well the last time we did a january episode was january 28th 2019 and it was an interview with tor torderson remember him over in finland there hifk um uh, but i i, I want to have more than 33 episodes in 2022 so i think probably maybe target one or two um in jan so i don't think it'll be such an extended break as normal we shall see. I know I definitely need to lie down. Uh, it's been a it's been a long it's been a long year. I mean, uh, there's been a lot going rest on. Up, rest up, rest up. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. So um, I, I'm definitely looking forward to a, a well-earned break. But we will definitely be back. And as I say, we are going to aim to make the podcast even better in any way we can. So as I say, if you if you do want to kind of help us run, you know, social channels, as I said, or help edit um, pod the pod here and there in terms of um, graphics, things like that, like audio clips to post on social media, do get in touch with us, NordicFootballPod at gmail.com. Uh, but that's it from me. Thank you so much. Hope you've enjoyed this show. Take care. Have a very good Christmas. And I really appreciate all the listeners and support. Yeah. Goodbye. Stay safe. Take care. We'll see you next year. It's been an absolute pleasure.